G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. On today's episode, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this one, I've got Luke from Aquatic Rehab. Um, he's been a person that I've wanted to get on the podcast for quite a bit. So, how you going, Luke? Good, thank you. That's how great you? to hear. Yeah, good, man. Good, good. Keep him busy? That's good. Yeah, well, yeah, since uh, yeah, the last week or so, just or the last probably two weeks, just flat tech. Beautiful. Which is really good. That's good. Uh, so, for people that don't know you, where are you from? Um, Auckland. So, Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, born in um, uh, Auckland and then grew up on the north side. And, uh, yeah. Spent a bit of time in the Goldie. Beautiful. Done, done a bit of stuff around Queensland and that and learned, learned how to bow hunt over there and then came back. Yeah, I reckon... Um, I first found out about you when you were, I put that uh, video out, um, bow hunting in Texas. Yeah, yeah, that was sick, man. That I was just a loved it out there. That was a wicked video. <laughs> yeah, and just real like learning. I was really learning it, but I just, I actually miss it. Like it's just awesome. When was that? That was about what 2015, 2016 when you put that video out. Uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe even a decade. Yeah. yeah. Nuts. Um, cause, because I was doing Glen Innes and then Texas, and they're actually not too far apart, but pretty far apart in terms of the te- night temperature in winter. Yep. But um, yeah, I was I learned I learned to bow hunt on the fellow at um, Glen Innes, where you guys just have silly numbers, <laughs> but difficult ground. But yeah. What uh, made you get into bow hunting while you were over here? Um, so I was obviously I was started spearfishing in New Zealand and um, I just remember having this whole thing that I wanted to, I thought I could take a deer with a bow. I was like, cause you know, like quite a few of the guys, like there's a pretty hectic spearfishing community and you sort of get a part of that. And then it always, it sort of dabbles onto the side of hunting. Yeah. And um, I was like, you know, learn how to shoot snapper and, Brady Rader R and I really like stalking stuff and wildlife photography and that. I was like, I reckon I could take a deer with a bow. I was like, how hard could it be? Like actually thinking to myself, like, <laughs> you know, you just like stop moving and you just, you know, you don't like you can take all the time you need. And then far out, man, I found out the hard way. Like, I think it took me fourteen days boots on ground on that Mental. block. Yeah, over like but over three trips. And and the fact that it came together was a real bit of tenacity, like bit of a fluke too. But and then finding the animal, yeah, it was one of the best days of my life, to be honest. That's awesome. My... How much um, overlaps from spearfishing to bow hunting? Um, there's a wee bit, eh? I think the biggest thing is spotting. So, like, what a lot of people say to me when they follow me when 
um like guys will come out like sort of guys that have only been spearfishing for a couple of years and they'll be like you're swimming really slowly and i'm like looking at everything down deep and i'm looking at shapes like um let's say like um, pelvic fins of snapper have a white tip and then you've got a uh the white base of the tail yeah so you have a set of shapes and that could be way down in the market could be and i'm like looking at every tiny little thing and trying to identify every tiny little thing and I think when you, you know when you're bow hunting, like I learned how to start to see deer in Aussie, like you know you see like the fellow, the ears, and when they're bedded like seventy yards like behind some stuff or whatever. Yeah, you see them flicker. Yeah, and then you kind of so it's but it's just a it's just like burning that image into your mind, and the only way to do that is the time and yep. on the on in this and the thing. So I sort of made the series on how to do this and a lot of people like how to spearfish basically and it's like you know i can i can tell you all this stuff but you're gonna have to keep coming back and you're gonna have to go and put the 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 mental work in and the eye work in um the good thing about spearfishing is that we don't have the wind the animals can't um can't smell us and they're not actually like prey animals like a deer is just absolutely terrified of you yeah but a fish is like oh yep i'm gonna go have a look at that sweet as so the majority of fish are actually very like it's it's weird man because like you put a tiger next to a samba you know that those animals that the the deer is not going to tolerate that but you put a shark prey um predator next to a fish the fish will have a relationship with the shark where they can actually get food by following it around so it's a weird dynamic in the water where you can with a the prey uh the predators actually can bring in your target species so yeah it's a and the and the fact that what i tell people is like it's like you're hunting but you're flying yeah that'd be you're fl- you're flying but if you cook it you're gonna die because <laughs> um, you can't breathe so yeah, but I've, you know, generally there's a, I'd say there's a pretty good crossover. The pay, if I could take a like a bow hunter, I think a bow hunt, uh, someone that bow hunts or something like a color or someone, yeah, as well, and put them in the water. I reckon they'd have a, a, a twelve month head start for sure. Yeah, awesome. So spearfishing, how did you get into that? When did you start? How old? Um, so I, so my dad's first started taking me out. My well, okay. This might actually be an interesting yarn. My, I was adopted at birth, right? Okay. So my uh, old man who I grew up with, uh, my parents who I grew up with, my dad, he took me, um, like, used to just hang out sort of coastal on the North Shore um, when I was quite young, probably around like 10 or so, and just like cast out like sprat lures and stuff for like the little um, sprats and jack max and all that kind of stuff and then i remember him getting like a real crap old gun from one of his mates in the police and like i just go like snorkeling yeah and it was just real like you know just yeah not even at the level of even really trying but you know and he'd shoot like a parori or whatever and then um it kind of came back to me so there's that that's probably what got it in my mind and then when i was um so i was a mechanic for quite a while um 
didn't really enjoy it. I was like partying pretty hard on the weekends for like quite a long time. Yeah. And like that was sort of catching up with me. And I just like had this mad switch where I just like basically stopped working as a full-time mechanic. I spent the summer like living in this back of this Corolla wagon, not the whole <laughs> summer, but like I was like, in this Corolla wagon, and I um, had this like immersion spear gun, I had like a real crap pig knife and some stubbies and some shitty fins, and I was like go through the bays and like literally just was spearfishing, and was just like eating, and this is like before obviously before social media and like underwater um, action cameras and all that yeah. kind of stuff, and I was kind of just winging it like shooting, just yeah stuff that I look at now and I'm just like nah, no thanks, but um. Yeah, so that the bug got me like really, really hard. It was quite an uh, intense uh, thing. And then so it, when winter came, it was like, all right, you got to make the call to actually get some proper gear, otherwise you freeze. And um, it would have been before my daughter's born, maybe. So maybe 15-odd years or so. Yep. Sort of early 20s, and now I'm 37. About to turn 38 so yeah and then i um i basically i got it there was a, a spearfishing forum and then there's this one fella on there ollie the german and he uh <laughs> says right come out on my boat and this boat is i mean it's a piece of shit <laughs> but like as you see like a few of the guys that have watched a few of my youtube videos will know who and what i'm talking about and this thing like I literally saw him two days ago and we're still going out on that boat now. And he's the first person to actually say to me like, Oh, you actually have to like free dive down to get fish. You can't just like float around. And, um, yeah, so we've had this like big, I've had this relationship with, with Ollie and just basically learning our local Island Terry out here, uh, for yeah, over a decade. And, um, yeah, it's been pretty good. Uh, because it's given us the chance to work it so effectively that, um, you know, when, like, so my thing's been health permitting, um, we can um, always get food, you know? Yeah. And and, and the, the price of um, meat and stuff at the moment, I am so glad <laughs> to be able to fill the freezer again, dude. It's like... Oh, bro. man, I, I can imagine. And, yeah, just... The area you're in is just insane. I was uh, showing a guy at work Friday. Um, the, he'd, he'd just done um, a part of the North Island in an RV um, mid last yeah. year, and we we're just talking about it. He said he went out on a charter and that. I'm like, how crazy it is over there. And then I started showing yeah. him your video that you posted up of all those kingfish in the school there. And his yeah, jaw yeah. just dropped. Like, he's like, that's just fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'll get all the... Um, like, sometimes the, the messages will be so directed. It'll just be, where's this question mark? Yeah. And it's like, how can you not be... Do I have to be polite and answering, where's this? With a school of 300 kingfish? It's like, <laughs> do you want the, co- the exact coordinates? Or... But that's kind of why I'm, I made this, the How to Spear series too, is because I'm like, look, okay, I'll give, I'll give you the... Here's the bloody, when I think the, the, the procs, I mean, everything changes. the same with hunting in there That's too, it. you know. But it's like the 
start here with the current well, here's the diagrams here's the bloody where you're supposed to try to put yourself and then how to approach fish and right and then that for me wasn't enough it's like you know because once you get over a thousand people asking where are you going yeah. where are you going well i'll take people out man and if you don't know how to approach the bloody things they'll still come up they want to have a look at you but they don't like a big pointy thing and a guy just like rushing for them you know yeah so that's it that's how, a big thing how do you find it like you know just say you've got a hunting property and you know you, you know what game are going to be around there you know you you yeah. can kind of pick and pick what animals like individual animals that are going to be there um all the time whether they're living on the property moving through the property when you're spearfishing a certain area reef you know whatever whatever you're spearfishing on uh yeah do the fish just move around like you just get different fish all in all the time or is it pretty consistent um it's pretty consistent apart from things that are migrating like kingfish are be migrating in and out with the heat or yep. possibly migrating just to deeper water so they're kind of the summer species um your reef fish like your boar fish and that they'll come up onto the sand uh, they'll normally be like out of spearable de- uh, depth but they'll come up through the summer and breed too and then with the snapper you'll basically have like um well it's, it's like the raw now so everyone's like okay your snapper are just stupid yeah but that would be like me saying well your deer property the deer are stupid when they're bloody barred up chasing um hinds around you know so it's that two-week period there where everything sort of loses their mind so in terms of new zealand so uh the band like if you could imagine um like the top um let's say the top one third of new zealand yeah how thin that band is if you especially if you compare it to the, a, a piece of australian coastline that's the band i'm kind of working in and so that band has a very predictable set of species so you're looking at kingies kawai which is like your salmon yep same thing your snapper um boarfish john dory those are the guys that are on the more on the sand and over the weed lines but not always um and then a set of uh, bait fish and um and then you might have some blue water species but our and then if you move down through the South Island that, and you get colder, then you've got more opportunity for abalone to grow a bit faster to, to reach a legal, a legal size before they die. Yep. Crayfish, um, blue mokey, blue cod, terakey. So it, it, even our tiny little country in comparison to the, you know, the, the, um, the globe uh, has qu- uh, this, this span of species through it. And, and the South Island, North Island doesn't actually – the crossover is quite different so you wouldn't you know like and someone in the south island you wouldn't go to the south island if you wanted to hunt snapper you just absolutely wouldn't so so it's much like of, the deer on deer on the south island you know you, you you go up to the north island for seeker and then you go down to the south island for for white yeah. and tar and chamois yeah yeah it, yeah i mean it's, and that's a strange thing for some people to comprehend well people outside of hunting they're like well it's the ocean well, it's like no, these fish are very territorial and very and they're very susceptible to temperature change. So you know, it's like the jewfish; uh, they could probably survive in New Zealand, but they're not here, you know. So um, yeah, and and in terms of um, 
So you're sort of leading on to like finding them, right? Oh yeah, just just like area and like if you you know you're hitting a spot like you're working a property, like just um... yeah. So you kind of get the it's that whole thing. It's behind the language. If you're not, and you'll know it through hunting too. But it's like yeah, you just see the signs. You just get in and you just see the signs. But you also you feel the current moving. Generally, you'll push up into the current. And you'll kind of look for structure. Let's say if you're like on a sandy weed line, you'll kind of look for, uh, by what I mean by weed line will be a, where the sand meets um, kelp uh, along an actual line off the coast. So you might have a cliff, a bunch of rocks under the water come, uh, with kelp all over them, and they'll come down and they'll meet sand. Yeah. And we have these quite often quite straight uh, weed lines in New Zealand. And those those um, spots there, so you you just swim that weed line, and if you had a nice current and you were seeing quite a bit of bait cruising around, you'd think, oh, yeah, all right, well, this is starting to look pretty good. And then you might see, like, signs. Like, you might see, for snapper, for example, you swim a bit of coast and see a couple of big, biggish fish moving off. Like, you may have spooked them. Okay. And you'll go, oh, right, okay, I think up here might hold because – this time of year they're going to want to be close because they're um they're egged up uh, and the boys have all got milled to them so they're kind of uh, you know that could be a good place to put some bait down or continue to keep searching over ledges and see if any of them are sort of tucked in there having a snooze um yeah uh, in terms of kingfish uh if you're on a weed line you'd be thinking the they kind of will the, the packs sort of move. It's almost like they kind of just move through periodically. Yeah. Um, they will happily come and find you. They will they, they will hear quite a long distance too. Um, so only splashing, banging. Uh, quite often, like, you'll shoot a bit of bait, like you shoot a little um, fish, like a, um, a bait fish, a jack mackerel, or what we call a kahiru, which is native to the North Island of New Zealand. Um and that vibration, that brrr sound under the water, that'll bring anything in that's normally sneaking around sort of on the outskirts. Um, so, yeah, it's a real interesting thing because there's a lot of luring. That's sick, yeah. Like, um, I think when I spoke to Dave and Dakota from Gulf Skin Divers, it might have been someone else. I've had a few Spiros on because I find it real interesting. Um, yeah. but, you know, talking about throwing sand, like splash, like getting the sand up in, in the water and flicking that up and that attracting fish and all the, yeah, all the yeah. different thing. Um, you briefly mentioned Kawai there for a second. How, how do New Zealanders rate them as an eating fish over here? Australian salmon, Kawai, uh, yeah. often regarded as a, you know, a bait fish, you know, pretty, pretty oily, pretty shitty, you know. Um, yeah. anyone that eats them gets judged pretty hard. I love them. They're one of my favorite eating fish. You know, I, I grew up surf fishing for them and, you know, eating heaps of smoked and fillet and, you know, yeah. I, I Kentucky fry fillets, um, now when I get them and freaking it's so good, but yeah, yeah. What are they regarded like over there? Well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty good through the fishing community. It's pretty good. Spearfishing, um, not so much in terms of spiros that um, have been working for quite a while. Uh, it's quite okay. So, like fish, from what I've seen throughout, like shooting kingfish from as far north as Queensland to to down to the Chatham Islands, like South Island, 
um, throughout fish's range, they do change a lot as well. Yeah. So depending on, on the temperature and also the different types of microparasites and stuff like kudoa and kingfish off Queensland, that heats up and turns into toothpaste. So and it's very hard to judge. People, when they start judging you on if, if you're, you're eating a fish, yep. it's like I could eat a tomato and I don't really enjoy it. I'm like, <laughs> it just doesn't do it for me. And some people love tomato. And the taste is so, it's tomato. You know yeah. what I mean? Fish is fish. So there's not as much variation. It's like, um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of mental um, uh, concepts put into taste when it comes to fish. Um, however, yeah, I if I was going to do a kawaii, gut it cold, um, I'd cut the bloodlines off the fillet. Yep. Like, I'm sure I'd make it, like, just five-star amazing because <laughs> we're cooking so much bloody fish. However, it is so damn good as bait because if you shoot them, firstly, if you shoot them, the, the vibration that they make is good enough to bring in kingfish in there. And when you're chumming, you always you – everyone's dive knives are bloody – I don't know if it's – maybe it's just me. But they're, like, they're, they're so damn blunt. That like hacking into a car wire is like really really nice. So what we do a, a reasonable amount of chumming, kind of similar to what you do on the islands. Yep. So we're not relying on commercial fisheries going out and buying bait, but it is nice to. And then anything you don't kill got to feed on it. So there's kind of this thing like you know right if it's not an endangered species, it's all right. But um, in terms of answering your question, like I think it's fine. Heaps of people eat it. Heaps of people love it here. But you do get the same thing. You do get the odd people that are like, you'd eat a bloody carboy. <laughs> you know what I mean? What's your um, top-rated fish for eating when you're out spearing? Um, I like the um, – oh, I've been really getting – like, ballfish is really nice. Okay. You yeah. get the odd rough one. A really, really forgiving fish. Um, snapper around, like, 10 pound, like a sort of – yeah, almost a five-kilo one if you, like – let it set like for a couple of days and then fill it alone okay. proper rubber salt ice and then you just like sear it it just falls apart i've just actually had some tonight and, and put it on stories oh beautiful that's just amazing um or um the john dory with the skin on um have you seen john dory yeah yeah I've, I've like i said i've watched a few of your videos and followed yeah. you for years and you sit yeah i'm pretty sure they get them over here too so Insane. yeah yeah so they don't have a central bone line, um, so they're um, real good. But what I think is like my my taste is like always sort of revolving too. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, what am I sort of craving at the moment? Like it could be a bloody, you know, raw bit of a kingy that like it's like a one inch, and you just literally it's fresh as and you just sear it, and it's mostly raw, with a bit of sauce or whatever. So. Fuck, that yeah, those. Good. <laughs> yeah, I mean those sort of those sort of. That's kind of what I'm aiming for if I'm going out. Like, um, I kind of, um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll try to get the delicacies, and if it doesn't work, I'll tr try to whack over a kingfish and then um, keep it really well. Yeah. Um, I have a thing with kingfish where I don't enjoy the 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 fish weeps. Uh, and the like if it's in the fridge overnight if it's uh, and there's like a there's like a pelagic 
like a uh, predatory pelagic kind of twang that you can get on it, which is not everyone can taste it. It's like a little, it's a bit harsh. Okay. And I, I actually have a little reaction to it. Like I, if I smell it or I kind of like get a little, like <clears throat> little asthma type thing. And I almost wonder if that's something that's like a post-sig or a, something's happened there where my body's like a little bit of histamine. So I have a thing there with kingies. I have to really keep it really nice. Could it be something and, to do with like the heavy metals from them eating, eating bait fish type? I don't know. I don't think it is. I think it's a, yeah, I think it's because it's like off the smells and that too. I don't, but maybe you never know, but it's, there's like a little thing there. So I have to really make sure I just like, but I've been eating quite a lot of it lately and I've been pretty good. But, um, is this thing because I saw so, so I sort of had a couple of us we, we went on a trip out uh past Great Barrier Reef and we were out of um some of the like real um gnarly volcanic structure way off Port Douglas and then two of us were kind of uh cigatera symptomatic um and then um yeah there's a few so that kind of led to a bit of a rocky road but as I was sort of saying to you i I did get bitten by a paralysis tick around the same time. So for people who don't know, what's Sigatora? Is that what you're... Sigatera. Sigatera is is like a tropical... It's a toxin. It's not a bacteria. It's not a virus or anything like that. It's actual toxin. It comes on... um, I think it's like little algae, like dinoflagellate species on coral. And then... So they'll get scooped up by your... um, your um the fish that are going to feed on that i I, th- I think those would be your like you know vegan fish or whatever <laughs> vegetarians and then um you'll have your gnarly predators come in and um smoke them and and essentially uh build up the more of them they're eating their, their it's going up the food chain and it's accumulative um so you know, there's a toxin accumulating within the flesh and especially the organs and and things like that. Okay. And then so once it, it, once you eat a fish like that, you've got, um, you know, you can experience um, heat reversal, pins and needles, uh, fatigue, digestive problems, problems thinking. You know, you can if – it, if it's really, really bad, you can um, – it can kill you, basically. Yeah, wow. Um, I'm not actually too sure on the mechanisms. If it's, um, yeah, you can have heart attacks and all sorts. I don't. But it's uh, something that we were kind of lightly, well, yeah, I don't know. It, if you call it light, what they, try, what they essentially what they try to do is you, if you get these species, you want to, you want your dinner and, and the eight other people on the boat to be sh- equal portioning off different fish you don't want you don't want to have all your dinner from one fish yeah so you want to try to spread the load out now apparently anything over five kilo can accumulate a lot more toxin than smaller fish um it's it's something that just absolutely does my head in because you hear sometimes the spanish mackerel run down through the goldie brings sig down sometimes it doesn't it's like what are the what and where are the rules how do you know, you know, like, I mean, they all, everything we shoot kills, eats each other. Yeah. So, you know, there's always that risk. And then, I mean, there's always a risk of being, um, 
you know, sensitive to these kind of things. And then some people can probably just hack it and not actually get symptomatic. So it's pretty much sounds like trigonosis in fish almost, like getting the trigonella yeah. bug, you know, that you get from pork and, you know, mountain lion, bear in yeah, the States. Yeah, trig would be a bacteria, wouldn't it? Uh, I think trig's a parasite. Parasite, very, yeah. So, very similar. Yeah, and so, and but the thing with SIG, right, is that, so I was just looking on the thing and it's like, you can actually sexually transmit it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, if you're symptomatic, it's like you got to wear protection for six months. You got you no caffeine, no alcohol. You got to try to like bloody limit your protein intake because that can reflare you and stuff like that. And this is what pushes me back to Cigatera is because I, um, you know, I've been eating a lot of fish recently, and then I've been having these like bloody, um, like pins and needle type kind of things going on. And then I'm like, is there something there? Is can it last that long? Am I reflaring with that? Yeah. Or what the hell is happening? But I'm just sort of monitoring it. I mean, at the end of the day, I've got to weigh up because it's like it is really healthy and and good for you on the on the flip side. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah. But as I was saying, around the same time as symptomatic cigarette, I was lucky enough to be bitten like on my like what we call the gooch <laughs> by Brutal. a fucking paralysis tick Brutal. and the real high grass. And I was like, because normally when you get bitten by a tick, you'd go, oh, there's a tick. I'm going to get it out properly. But I didn't. And my mate's dog had just been like knocked, completely peeled by one. Like oh, I don't know. It was like almost dead within probably a K. So yeah, it was that, that kind of area that, you know, that rainforesty kind of area. And it's, and yeah, your gooch isn't somewhere you really want to be digging I out. I was just like, scratch. <laughs> I just scratched it. And it was the, and it was a fucking, like a tick man. And I was like, oh, I got to get the heat out. And I kind of like, see, I, I screwed that up. And then I didn't really know about lime, man. I didn't know about the, like, looking out for like a circle rash or anything. I had a headache for 30 days. That's, that's fucking mental. Yeah. The, my yeah, first yeah, it experience was, it was savage. with ticks were, was when I went and hunted Mexico. And just yeah. you know, I had carried a couple of pigs into the back of the into the back of the Ute, and you know, by the time you you'd done that in the dark, and you got back, and you had ticks crawling all over you. Lucky only yeah. I had maybe two or three dig in, but yeah, one was like right on my cheekbone, under my eye. I'm like in the mirror with my scalpel blade digging this tick out of my face. <laughs> yeah, rough, and it's just the crap they can carry. Hey, oh man, like. After learning what um, alpha gal syndrome is, I'm not sure if you know what that is. That freaked the nah. shit out of me. It's basically nah. a tick-borne disease in like Mexico, Texas, and it's spreading around the states. That makes you allergic to red meat. Yeah, right. That, oh, yeah. That you get well, from the thing. So that's what Sig tries to do to you with fish. It yeah. Fucking, you know, yeah. and 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 maybe even red meat too a little bit. Yeah, it's it's it sounds very similar. It's, it sounds like a cross between trichinella, like trichinella and um, and yeah, the the alpha gal. Which yeah, is... well, I was thinking, <laughs> fuck, and you'd probably think the same thing. You know, it's like shit. If I became allergic to fish and I was like a spear fisherman, it's like, geez, what would you do? You know? Yeah, I've I've spoken to a couple of hunters that are still hunters after you know getting bitten by by a tick with alpha gal and yeah. becoming allergic to most meats. And they're just like, yeah. you know, it, uh, I had to have this debate with myself. Do I keep hunting? Because for years I said I hunted for for food, but now I can't yeah. eat it. 
Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that I mean, fuck, everyone, everyone's breeding too. So it's like you got a bloody. I'd be. I'd. Str- I'd just be. I'd just be cooking it for the family. I'd be knocking fish over and doing like, okay, here's your dinner. While I stare at it, you know, because I'm the cook here for dinner, anyways, and I've I'm got the two same. kids and a wife, so it's like shit, you know. And then get, I just get the foot, and because I'm marine wildlife interactions is half of it, especially with sharks and stuff too. So, I mean, yeah, and but the good, I mean, the, I mean the the big difference, right, is that you guys were, and us, is that we, you're knocking over stuff that's can be quite um, detrimental to the um, the native wildlife. Yeah. So what we got to rec- re- remember is that we're killing native animals, um, but in, in the water. But you know, like if you was if you got allergic to red meat, you'd be like, oh well, I'm a color now, and <laughs> put more of your time into that, and then take something tasty home for the family, I guess. Yeah, that's it. You know, I'd I'd probably be a sucker for punishment because you know I absolutely love just love, love red meat. I'd eat it and then be you know in bed for three days going, yeah. why did I eat that? But then you know, as soon as I felt better, it, yeah. But that's that's easy enough to say, you know, when you're not in that in that um situation, oh, you know, yeah, you've like... you've battled with health health stuff for the last what couple of years has it been? Yeah, about well. I mean, since then, dude. So yeah, this since is then. A decade of shit, but like it really went hard. And then I had the big wake ups, um, which I'll sort of move into. But um, like, yeah, it's a bit. It's, I'm the same. I'm like, when I've, I've kind of come at the, this point in time, I'm actually able to hunt and dive. And I'm just like, what did it feel like again to be fucked? And I actually had dive diaries written down, and it's actually quite terrifying reading some of the symptomatic stuff okay yeah like um oh my god dude like yeah it's 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 pretty rough but um like i i at one point i've fucking lost about 20 shit i went down from about 95 kilo to probably like 70 72 yeah shit and then i my esophagus wasn't working which was kind of horrible and um i think then i put there's a whole, a whole mental load that you put on it too like you sh- basically think you're dying and then there's like this massive amount of stress and i was going through tests for fucking cancer and all sorts yeah. of shit which they were like god i like pee in a butt pee in a thing for 24 hours and then they take my blood and then they ring me up and go oh we didn't put your blood on ice can we take it again and then oh, i'm like fuck. can you please not do that because i think i'm gonna die and then i go back in and then they take my blood again, and then I'd bring the pee jug in that I did in 24 hours, and they go, oh, did you fast? You didn't tell me to fast. I'll do that again. And I'm like, isn't time of the essence here? You know, It's yeah. like looking back on it, it's a fucking bit of a comedy. That's, and they're like, that's oh, brutal. by the way, we need to take your blood again because we didn't put it on ice. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, is this my journey into fucking beginning to die? Like you guys are just – you can't even get the basics of diagnosis right. But – um yeah, I'm digressing, but that's kind of where I was at at that point. And then, um, yeah, fucking, it's um, so the the I might as well go into the dangerous bit of it, which is like it's been a rocky road of what they call chronic fatigue syndrome since, um, like being uh, whatever the hell happened it kind of feels like around that time was yeah. kind of when shit started. I've always been like, I was 
always reacted badly to the tennis shots when I was young, and I was kind of one of those people that did have that tendency to flare up a bit with things. Yeah. And then I bloody, um, yeah, just came back here, died fucking hard, drinking, man, like, you know, insomnia too, not sleeping, just pushed through, got into, I was doing, selling real estate. Um, they're like, here you go, just take the pain meds for, for the pain and just live that unhealthy lifestyle and just send it and go out and still not bad insomnia and just pushing it. And then I was like, this isn't really the life for me in real estate. Got into, I was, I was actually doing a bit of work for Paul Michaels on the, he does the deer dog stuff. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, still diving pretty hard, filming quite a lot, feeling really terrible, like feeling like utter crap pretty much all of the time and just fatigued and the diagnosis is like um that so when people say i don't know if you've heard fibromyalgia yep that, that's well apparently that's the symptom set that's actually not the disease it's just like the whole set of symptoms so if you look at that giant list that was me to a t and then um but the thing with the water is you kind of when you get in the ocean you kind of get this uh your brain has to go all right this is a spot where I'm not going to kind of worry about the current issues. But, you know, if you break your ankle and a fucking tiger jumps in the window, you're, you're still going to run it out of there. And, <laughs> you know, it's the same kind of thing, but it's the long game of it. It's and, like the um, survival fight or flight type type thing. Yeah, you know, I think your, that happens in the water, man. Because you, yeah, you get out, you get on the boat, and the fatigue, the waves of fatigue hit you yeah. with freediving because uh, you, you, there's a lot of acidity buffering. There's a lot of... It's, it's it's very hard on the body. So, long story short, pushing, pushing, started doing charters, right? And um, I fucking we're doing the oldies, and I had these two blokes above me, and I was just terribly exhausted by this point. And I um, dived down to about eight odd meters, and I was like watching a kingy. This is all pre-COVID, I think. And um, I just felt this massive lurch in my chest, like like what felt like uh, what I think is is a PVC, which is like a skipped beat, and the follow-up beat is really hard. Okay, yeah. But um, your lungs are like really compressed at that point, so like the feeling of it was just like someone had put a sledgehammer into my chest, and then I kind of was half there. Like I felt like I was half, half awake. Yeah. I was coming to the surface. I was kind of losing feeling in both of my arms. Got to the surface. I said to the guys... I can't actually remember what I said, but I was just fighting to stay awake and until the boat came over. And then I got on the boat and I was just trying to feel my veins amongst, you know, the chaos of the engine and the boys. And we'd actually just had a marlin swim right up to a brand new diver. So there's all that going on too. Yeah, wow. And I was like, fuck, if I'd sunk there, like the water drops off really deep off the side of that reef, man, I would have been dead. And also, if there was no divers above me, you know, so clearly getting close to that sort of hypoxic business, like a blackout type of thing. And um, yeah, I canned it. I just, it just, it just scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Having kids in that too. And I was like, just the, I just remember for about a quarter of an hour, I was kind of really, I was sort of touch and go, like, is my heart in an arrhythmia? Like, am I, or am I just having a, fucking panic attack and i'm just I fully hit the wall fatigued yeah so i got out of the i spent eight months out of the water i was this was coming into may so of 
or something like that, April, May. It was quite a good gig too, um, you know, being able to sort of take guys out and charter them on it with a proper skipper and, and all the rest of it. But I was like, shit, I've got to get my shit sorted. Did this dive coming into summer, eight months later. Felt really fatigued as well. Went down. Um, I, know, I shot a few fish, shot a few bloody good fish, actually. Shot a nice big snapper and boom, the same thing happened again. And I was like, that was the follow-up dive with this huge gap. Yeah, wow. And um, a shark charged at my buddy who was supposed to be watching me. So he was actually out of view. And I was trying to land a fish this time. And um, I was a bit more hardy about it. And I <clears throat> kind of like coughed it out on the surface. And then I actually kept diving, but not as deep. And... Um, yeah, that kind of was the two. The fact that it happened once and then happened again, and then I just thought, what is my, what is the outlook here? Like, is this going to happen every single time I dive? Is there something wrong with my heart? Like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? Yeah, that shallow water blackout shit, like just this hearing stories. Um, oh, Meat Eater did that series, horrible. like Close Calls. Um, yeah. And they, there's a, quite a few stories of, you know, shallow water blackouts on there, and it fucking sounds so scary yeah and I've, so I've known like quite a few people in the scene that have dived uh that have died yeah um basically um like my dad was co- come off police and he was in the coroner so i'd get a lot of um insight into random snorkeling deaths um and i'd get like oh Fuck. I was trying. I was supposed to meet up with um, Greg Cald. I think it's Caldwell. They do the Caldwell Cup. Um, when I was moving over to Brizzy, and he he passed away on Morton Island. Um, and then you know we've had um, a whole string of them. Like that Olympian on the Goldie. He um, I seen his name pop up on the news. Yep. And I recognised the name because he followed me on Instagram that morning. Yeah, wow. Yeah, my Shit. um, my wife was listening to a podcast with his wife. She just brought out a book, and fuck, yeah. man, I, I, she's like, you have to listen to it, and I listened to it, and man, that was a rough one. Yeah, so that's brutal, and I was like, shit, and that kind of got me thinking, like, bloody hell. And then we had Ar- Arctic Freediver. Um, I, he was never found. Um, you know, the spot on the barrier that uh, great little barrier we were just diving. Um. I was out there with Darren Shields, his best mate, uh, where I filmed that big school, the Kingfish, a couple of days ago. Okay, yeah. His, his best mate, um, they um, had to retrieve his his body there next to a cray pot. And then when we had a girl up the road here who also died there about two years ago. So there's quite a lot. Uh, and and then and then we've just had a couple on the coast, like five, just snorkeling ones, so I can't confirm that they're, they're blackouts. But... So that got me thinking, like, um, there must be more to this. Um, you know, I really got to, I got to, like, I started to feel better. So I cut, I basically cut out the drinking. Yeah. Like, I'm not fucking drinking any alcohol. Because I'll start there. That's a that's a trap for someone with a nasty, nasty pain disorder. Is yeah. Pain is a problem. Is that it, you can get a few hour break from it. And it's just so tempting to get that break. And I was like, fuck, I cut that out. I got the um, 
knack that stuff that's like hard out uh, antioxidant um and it's like was using that and i was kind of starting to come out of this like fatigue business right and um i was playing soccer with the young ones this is a hard case like with the six-year-olds helping them out with their soccer games yeah it's my son and i ran into a fucking hundred kilo goalpost side on like full speed dude and bash my head on the slide post so damn hard that I should have gone to the hospital. Oh shit. Had a fucking 10 day bloody brat. Like I couldn't video edit. I couldn't really look at the screens. It was concussion. Kind of came right. Proper concussion. Yeah. Ended up in A&E 10 days later. The symptoms just came back so strong. Light strobing and all this kind of business. Yeah. Fuck. Gone through the concussion clinic. And fucking two weeks later, like, start to come come what I feel like is the best I've been since since I was diving and um, shit. I don't know, maybe 2015, 2016. So I was sort of joking with everyone that maybe I just needed was a smash in the head. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's the thing. So, right, I started to feel better. And then I'm like, okay, now I've got to contend with this heart thing and um i got a phone call from do you know dave mullins no the name rings a bell but i don't know him no he's like super deep freediver crazy like really really good freediver and i don't spend much time uh in the freediving scene i don't um uh like you know he, he's sort of one of those guys that is just really really into it so I don't know too much about the whole freediving scene and who's broken, what records are running around. All I know is this guy is insane. He'll dive. He'll spearfish to 50 meters. They Apparently, they took his blood out at 50 meters or something on a breath to like analyze it and all that. And he knows his shit. <laughs> and he rings me and he's like, to be honest, and a lot of people started to get at me when I started to talk about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've suffered this. And I've actually had something similar to that. And, rah, 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 rah. and he rings me and he says... Um, he puts me onto this like kind of interval training program and he's like, what you don't understand is the amount of blood pressure. He's like, your blood pressure is good as gold on land, whatever. That doesn't matter. He's like, the amount of blood pressure that you need to, to, to free dive, like the blood pressure changes that are actually happening. So um, he put me on this thing where I'm basically sort of, I did a bit of, you know, light cardio and that real light stuff just to get the heart up to scratch and then what you do is you sort of simulate a free dive by by um essentially running like a madman up a hill for a minute 30 and then having a three minute break which is kind of like your surface interval yeah and then doing it again because you're well we, what we think is that we're all relaxed on the surface and we do this nice relaxed dive but what your heart's doing is a complete bloody marathon yeah I'll so bet. you know for me after i thought Man, I it, like you would have asked me in winter. I would have thought, oh, shit. I hope I can spearfish again. Like, am I completely out of the game here? To bloody, oh, I don't even know how many fish I've shot in the last week. Like, <laughs> killing. I've shot like a big snapper in the face again on film and lying lying down on the bottom at depth and and diving like proper depths that I was diving when I was younger. So, you know, like extremely stoked about that. But 
yeah his uh his knowledge around um blackout around heart rate and around blood pressure was really really key to me it's good because he she he actually started speaking about because a lot of people think that they know their limits in freediving man and that's actually a real big problem that we've got in spearfishing is that people are like oh, i know my limits i know my limits well fuck if you told me that i would have nearly blacked out watching a kingy at bloody eight meters i would have never believed you you know what i mean so is it more of an the, overconfidence it's just a straight up it's never happened to me before yeah. so i know i apparently know my limits so dave sort of started chatting to me about um you know you can have perfect uh blood saturation of oxygen you can still have a lot of o2 and not have an urge to breathe not have a lot of lactate you can still feel fine and if your blood pressure doesn't make the shifts fast enough you simply won't get the blood to your brain and you can still black out that way okay which was actually a whole new thing to me after years and years of um being in the game so um of course i've always had tried to have this safety focus around what we tell new divers um what we put on the internet so that if i was brand new right now and i typed in spearfishing on youtube what would i see because a lot of people a lot of people think oh yeah okay like you need to be in the game for a few years to be in the danger zone of blackout but after seeing some freediving courses and classes, there's actually some people that will black out and samba very, very easily on their first goes just learning. And um, I've seen this in a few people, man. This, I've seen a few people go into like um, hypoxic fits, holding their breath uh, at freediving courses, and they've got hardly any experience at all. And... Um, those you can imagine that kind of person going oh yeah cool yeah. i can go out by myself and bloody you know just go down and hold my breath and go down and then they have a fit at seven meters or whatever especially like a naturally good free diver um you know and then that's kind of why i was trying to gather a bit of shit from my old man and think yeah you know what being the coroner and having access to that info is there is there more people dying than we actually know um, within the sport so yeah my journey's been basically a fucking real wild ride yeah man it and, definitely sounds like it <laughs> yeah so i kind of um i'm trying to pump a lot of info in uh, as i do this kind of navigate through this a little bit but um yeah so so i sort of got to a point where i needed to test myself with 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 um partners uh watching me while i went down and essentially was waiting for the big palpitation again yeah and it hasn't come yet i've had a few little flutteries and a few little things and um been talking to a lot of divers and then if it happens again i'm pretty certain it's sort of you know benign and as long as we're looking out for each other and i can uh you know keep training dude just fucking stoked to be back in the water basically no it's it's great to see you back in the water like you said with the um whole chronic chronic uh, fatigue and the um the uh what was the other one the fiber 
Fibromyalgia. Yeah, so watching my mum have all the autoimmune issues and then, you know, close family friends have had very similar stuff, you know, the big lists yeah. on, on all of that stuff they've, they've been dealing with. Um, like I said, watching mum go through stages where, you know, she'd do a day's gardening and then be in bed for the next three or four days. Um, yeah. You know, she, she's uh, turned around her symptoms by doing carnivore for like three, four months, maybe longer. Which yeah, was nice. was pretty cool to see, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When nice. I started doing carnivore, she's like, "Yeah, nah, nah." I'm like, oh, "There's people like on all these forums. There's people that are having similar issues to you, and they're almost resetting their their bodies by doing it." And then she's like, "Nah, nah." Then she got to the point where she was just over the chronic fatigue and everything, and she done it, and yeah, almost reset her to no symptoms at all. And like she, you said yeah. with your diary going through that and reading that, she felt very similar. Like at first she wasn't really seeing much, but then she was going through reading her diary, and she's like, yeah. "I've got none of these symptoms at the moment." Yeah, yeah, dude. It's the fucking. It's actually terrifying. It's like, but yeah, I mean, and that's the thing with the like, you know, when you get when you're getting like good meats and that, there's a lot of raw essential sort of stuff in there that's really handy. And if you can, uh, like digesting it properly as well, and taking the stress off, like, yeah. Because you got like, like, I went through the hospital and they have like a really cool sort of multifaceted approach. You've got like, you know, the you've got the actual specialist, and then you'll have the, like the neuroscientist who's like, dude, you got to also make sure you're not like honing in and focusing on all of this shit too much, and um, you know, acknowledging it with your brain, being like, because you apparently your brain will also grow new nerves to feel pain if you're always feeling pain. Yeah, wow. And you're you're rewarding it. You're adding sort of fuel to the fire there as well. And it's like, yeah, I've been watching a bit of bloody, watching a bit of like the only only non blood sport that I watch for some reason is cricket. <laughs> I don't know why, eh? And I just like there's just something about it. Like I fucking never thought I'd be into it in the last couple of years. And, mm -hmm. and but then I watched the guys like fucking one one dude got like smoked on the outside of the hip by. a by um, the ball on the way past <laughs> and they're like and you could tell it was just agony and he's like you know, he can't even run anymore he has to hit fours and sixes that's him and he's like basically like um, you know just a uh, <clears throat> just a little graze you know <laughs> and like you knew that straight after he's going to hospital yeah yeah and i was like they they've got it man like they've got that thing where it's like you just don't let the brain get involved because the brain will be like we've got to protect it we've got to protect that spot and i was a bit of a sucker for that too it was like fucking we did just in that realm of hell you know you're just like are you gonna focus on it and sort of just you know add fuel to the fire or not so there's a big mental barrier there too. And for anyone listening that's in that sort of zone, you know, because I'm sure some some people will listen because I've had a lot of people reach out. Um, there is that whole mental side too. It's definitely I'm not saying it's it's a, a, a um, you know major or a causation component or anything like that, but you can definitely make things worse. Oh, that's it. Like, mental yeah. mental health like head spaces and stuff like that. Depression would not help those types of. Like yeah. those, those types of symptoms would cause well, depression in some people. And then once you get into that headspace, it might only yeah. you know make things worse.
and, and actual neuroplasticity like people think on oh, neuroplasticity like yeah my brain can make new connections and it's like yeah it can and it can actually make really bad ones too like um so it's yeah and 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 the, i we had to go through the the hospital to and did a quite a bit of learning on all of that stuff too it's it's actually bloody interesting from a from a from a I won't go into this for too long, but the neuroscientists, one of them had been, went to a toga party back in the day, felt a scratch on his ankle, woke up in hospital. Three days later, it was a brown snake. Oh, wow. And now every time something touches that ankle, he's in so much agony, he can't even walk. So that's the, the neuroplasticity of pain. Uh, you know, if the brain thinks there's danger there. So um, That's insane. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So, um, yeah, and then had a whatever the it's it's so hard when you can't explain it i'm not I'm not bleeding there's some uh, there's clearly something flaring on the inside took you know a lot of antioxidants now for spear fishing, a lot of like um oh man, uh like electrolytes have been really, really important, staying like really rehydrated, yeah deliberately staying on top of it all day because you're just peeing all day just stay hydrated as and a lot of fuel like a lot i used to not eat and now i'm eating a lot like trying to just cram fuel and salts and stuff in and um that's made a real world of difference to me uh and i think a lot of sparrows will appreciate that too like get you know if you start to like hit solid walls of fatigue get on the boat at like midday or whatever and i've been like cracking open those bloody um tablets those ones that sort of disperse in water that have like b's c's d's and mag and all that kind of stuff too yeah and just try cover all the bases and and then um um you know even if it means sugar and caffeine and stuff um yeah if i can send it try to try to keep the energy and the fluid up is what i reckon it but. sounds like some a lot of like that stuff there translate to hunting too. Like, because I've I've gone out hunting with guys, especially in this hotter weather here in Australia. You know, you're you're burning through a lot of electrolytes and sugar and you know salt and everything above. And you know, I've been hunting with guys who take nothing out with them. You know, they might take five hundred mils of water and maybe like a muesli yeah. bar. And then, you know, they're suffering for the next three days because, you know, they've, they've got migraines and headaches and muscle cramps and shit like that. But it's because yeah. they haven't been taking care of themselves while they've been out. Yeah, well, that's right. Like, if you want to if you want to fucking hunt properly, man, you got to, like, yeah, you got to load up. I've learned that the hard way, too, is had a bloody army guy forced me to carry a red hind, like a proper red hind, <laughs> four, four hours out down a foot out of the bloody time wise and um shit i was good as gold until i pulled my fingernail off on a on a wooden um <laughs> drawbridge oh, shit. about half an hour from the car and then everything just hit me like a ton of bricks man all the the bad food <laughs> and I, I got i had a fever eh? i was like shit and i just went into the state but he, yeah he, he's actually the bloke i died with over the weekend he sort of admitted that that was a little bit dumb but he was training like <laughs> army followers and stuff and they were kind of like you know you gotta yeah you kiwi blokes are mad though that whole carrying carrying fucking deer out on your back you know turning the deer into a backpack and shit like that yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. 
that's all right with a fallow in there, but bloody hell, man. Some people go a little bit far. Oh, even a, a good-sized fallow buck in the body is freaking hard enough oh, to yeah, do. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you get you Kiwi fellas chucking freaking red stags on your back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a little silly rule on that. But, um, <laughs> yes, I mean, that's, I guess that's part of it too. Is he, he was, because I haven't really caught up with him since that, and he was like, you know, a few of the boys – a lot of the boys actually in the military have come out and been like, yeah, um, I'm in your shoes from something. So I appreciate the fact that you come out with it. But, I mean, the specialists, for all this kind of stuff is quite new tech and you'd, 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 want, you'd need to be in a German hospital. Yeah. You know, I think it's like New Zealand, mate, would deal with broken bones, fucking heart attacks and stuff like that. Skiing um, accidents. <laughs> yeah. If you're on the outskirts, man, if you're bloody – but the thing for me is that my, my, the case that I built to, to, to anyone that didn't believe me is like, go and look at my YouTube channel. Like, what do you think that I'd like to do? Like, I'm not fucking, you know? Yeah, like, that's it, man. It's, it's a hard one. Like you said, if you're not bleeding, it's hard for other people to see. Like, the, you know, they're thinking, just get on with it, you know? You, you yeah, know, you're yeah, not exactly. You're not broken. You're not bleeding. Just, just do it. But you know, yeah. seeing people who you know are really active get taken down and bedridden ridden from yeah. these types of things is crazy. And like you said with the army stuff, there's heaps yeah. of shit. You you listen to Evan Hafer from um, Black Rifle Coffee talking about you know all these people that are getting all these cancers from the burn pits over in Iraq and Afghanistan and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, what. One of the boys, I won't drop his name, but one of the military boys I just dived with, he um, he just said, I need to talk to you about this CFS ME thing because I bloody... He, um, they put him into a room with another fella and they fell asleep and uh, the only thing that woke them up was the carbon monoxide meter rattling away. Mental. And, uh, yeah, that had knocked them out. And then since then, um, sort of been confirmed as having a brain injury from it. And then um, it's always the same fucking symptoms here. It's always the same shit. So like, what else can we feel if we feel like shit, you know? It's always going to be your mental health gets fucked, your guts go fucked, and you're hurt and you're fatigued. Like, if you want to boil it all down. So, um, yeah, if you want to Google those symptoms, you'll get every bloody disease under the sun if that's what you're suffering from so yeah and and then people post dengue and bloody a lot of the shit comes from up in the heat man yeah yeah but it's um it'll be interesting actually after this too if there's any more people that are sort of been in the smearing scene that have uh um encountered this kind of thing um the water's a bit of a funny one there's a few real nasty things lurking around that might still be not not that well known um you know with hunting in that it seems to be like okay stay the hell away from that you know or go to africa and there's a kind of tick that if you get it man you're just <laughs> you're gonna die or so just don't you know. but yeah yeah um, what do they say like only 10 percent of the um ocean's been <laughs> been documented and discovered and shit <laughs> yeah and you guys have it pretty scary up there i mean you got bloody jelly one centimeter jellyfish that'll fucking put you in hospital and nearly kill you and stuff so it's the sharks yeah, that, that worry me down here man like um 
I had a one of one of my mates who's a bow hunter, Spiro down down here, Aaron Whitaker. I'm not sure if you know who he oh, is. Yeah, it's a real familiar name. Yeah, he he'd done a bunch of spearing comps and, you know, went over to to some of the tropical areas, spearfishing and shit. But he yeah. um actually told a story on the podcast about one of his best mates being taken by a white, you know, less than yeah. twenty meters from him. Um, yeah, when they were scouting a spearfishing comp, and it's, that was a few years back. Hey? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, ten or so years ago. But yeah, yeah and there was mental. another like another couple of followers with them. I I recognised that one. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we lost a guy off the west coast here swimming through a fucking bait ball, and the swimmer tried to get him to come. The sorry, the lino on the on the on the um, thing tried to get him to come over and. Um, he didn't quite make it, and 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 they had to put the shark down. They had a bloody, they put thirty three um, five five six rounds at it. Two, two, there's a twenty round mag. This is all. It's all been filmed on the Eagle and the Westpac helicopter. And um, we had one girl at Waihee down here, just north, of, uh, uh, down. So it's just south of Coromandel, behind the breakers. There get um, get killed by a pointer. And they got her up on the beach, and my mate, my mate was. Uh, I've got a few connections through the old man and the police there, and that's kind of close to home. Uh, and we had one. Um, we don't see that many pointers here, but we we had a bloody surfboard get huge bite out of it, probably a k or two from where we were spearfishing. Yeah, that's, um, that's one crazy. day. But we mainly it's just the bronzies. It's just bloody. Everywhere, yeah, and then um, the seals, man. The seals have been fucking people up. Like, <laughs> yeah, wow. We had um, one guy, yeah, just had this. I just shared it on stories the other day. He got his arm just absolutely smoked, and he's been in for surgery from this big um, angry bull, like first seal. Jesus. And this, I got a message from one of the bros who dives my like favorite spot all the time saying that he's like it got attacked by a seal there this is where i was filming some too and the she was real angry the mum like there was a pup that was just like so the pups will dance all around you and the mums yeah. all goes crazy and he messaged me and said oh yeah he goes i hope that's uh the last time i have to have the thing my finger inside one of the bros because <laughs> it must have been a full arterial so fuck i was like we're good Almost the seals are on par with the pointers, like That's not terms of deaths, but the attacks. And then, yeah, the the bronzies are pretty; they get pretty hectic. Um, normally, just more more sort of just like territorial ramming and. There's some big girls that you you film and post up, but yeah, shark attacks yeah. here, man. Have been I think the last six months we've had like we we just had like some fifteen year old surfer mauled and killed just before Christmas or just after Christmas. We had That's some right. some uh, lady studying to be like a marine biologist and her her partner, I think, is in the um, spearfishing group down here. She was, yeah. like, bitten on the face at, off of one of our jetties and then some lady... Oh yeah, there's been... Well, yeah, bye. All, all pointers, Great I think. Point. Yeah, that's the thing, eh? It's a different fucking... So, so pointers, like, they just... They make the transition to hunting mammals, yeah. and that's something that's uh, 
it's quite unique to that fish. Oh, we got we got people down here calling for culls. We've got people. Um, one fellow who's quite prominent in the hunting fishing community, he's calling for bans on um, cage diving with sharks because he reckons yeah, yeah, that yeah. that's that's training him. You know, much like the crocs in the NT, teaching them how to jump. Um, yeah, he, he believes that uh, the the cage diving and burling him in and you know provoking him while you're in a cage is 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 causing these issues down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my mates, uh, one of the fellows I just dived with said he went down south into the cage dive just to get over the initial the shock of seeing a pointer in the water. And he's like, there was like six of them, and they were all good. And they were like, oh, the big girl's here. It was all calm, calm as days, all all the things. And then the big girl comes. She was like, just an absolute fucking toad. And the first thing she did was just grab the cage in her massive mouth and just start shaking the shit out of it. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I know sharks really well. And I tell you one thing, they are fucking onto it. And they just, they they do what like a, a real sneaky hunting dog will do. You know, you give them the one little bit of food while you're, you've had a couple of beers and you give them one little bit of food off your fucking plate. And for the rest of their lives, they're sitting there staring at you and they're, they know when to take advantage. They know when to sit on the outskirts. Yeah. They know when the gun goes off, you, your gun can go off and you can miss something and they come in and then you'll just see them leave. Like, oh, no, that was a false alert. Oh, they'll check all the floats. They'll come through and check all the floats. They're fucking smart, man. Like, and the, 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 uh, you will train a shark, especially a mature, like um, a juvies. You can see them. They're, I've had quite a few run-ins with schools of juvies. And they are really just figuring stuff, their lives out. Like they yeah. really don't even know what to do. The, the sensors are working, or the electroreception and their lateral lines and that. And they, they'll come up to the fish that's on the spear, and they'll kind of they won't even really know what to do. Do they rub on it? It's like a cat, like your house cat, when you first give them a bit of fish or a bit of meat. Isn't something something different from than what, from the supermarket? That's it. But um, man, the sharks once they once they start to mature. They learn so damn quickly. And, yeah, fuck if you're bringing them into a cage. Food is food for a pointer. Just, it's it. just a big muscle with a big hole on the front. Just swallow it, man. Like, those things are the same as crocs, bro. They just could not give a shit. Yeah, brutal and, animals, uh, man. Yeah, people think, like, uh, like if you're going to build a relationship with a shark, <laughs> like a big fucking white pointer or whatever, for social media influencing, whatever... It's a completely one-sided relationship, and <laughs> I agree. They're gorgeous animals. I, I really love swimming with them, and I love the the interactions, you know, because you do find a bit of mutual respect, especially with like reef sharks and that too. So like, we're a big we're a big animal too, with a big pair of set of fins on to them, you know. Um, we don't like a reef shark, uh, like your normal like our bronzies and all that kind of stuff. Um, they don't really. You know, the, the, the amino acids in human blood don't really fit into the connectors in their noses. They're kind yep. of, it's not really the same as these other ones that'll take advantage of a mammal. Um, you kind of make a, a midway switch when you start hitting bull sharks because a bull's just like straight up. Like, there's a lot of aggression in a bull shark. It's like, well, I'm just going to fucking take advantage and either smash into that or if it's really dark dirty water i'm just going to have a crack anyway kind of thing do you get many bull sharks 
that way? No, we're getting none. None, yeah. I thought it'd be a bit too so, cold. We get none down here as far as I'm aware. You know, you might get the, the odd one, but... Bronzies are uh, very closely related, and you'll see it in the um, in the big fat ones. Yeah. They're almost there, but they're, um, they're just not on the same level. And um, the more heat, the more action, the, the more active. But um, you kind of... Yeah, like our when we peak, when our heat peaks, that's when everything's a bit nuts. But off the sides of the heat, there, um, as a big animal requires a lot of energy, so it's like they just do that slow cruising, everything's chill. And when they commit to feeding, that's when the switch has to change because when they commit, they kind yeah. of burning a lot of fuel, so it's like, all right, let's go, especially if you're shooting some big fish around them. Um, and then, yeah, and then you really get to watch that behavior. If you get like three or four or five of them and you, one of them just pose down a kingy. I've got some unreal footage from, um, with the guys from Weddy, um, last weekend. And, um, it's the same old man. I just made a reel saying that the losers get grumpy and then just start going at it and like <laughs> charging divers. Exactly the same thing happened. The losers like, just pissed. How many fish would you and, say you lose through sharks grabbing them? Um, it's very hard to say. It, it, it's really a, a scenario. It's really scenario related. There'll be like there'll be a time where you will just know that landing you you got a better chance of solving the fucking Da Vinci Code than you do landing a fish. Yeah. right here, right now. Um, like. And and I but if you can stone them like if you can brain shot fish, um, you can get it done. But if you don't, they'll um, they'll hone in on that on that tail beating and they'll they'll just smoke it, and and it might just be an increased hunger with breeding or who knows. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm so, I've been pretty lucky with the snaps. I just got a bit of footage. Of, I actually. Um, Shot a nice snapper in the face, and the shark <laughs> came right in, and it touched the the tail touches the shark's face, and the snapper actually like shed out everything that it had, <laughs> and so there's like this big white cloud. I actually thought it was milk, but it turns out it was a female, all over the shark's sort of nose and that. And yeah, it's quite funny, and the shark sort of buggers off. That's I'm like that is. probably wasn't the deterrent. Quite often, I kind of just go, "Oh, I'm not release or something," and then yeah, but that was like right there, and that was. A, bit of an interesting one but um yeah i had a boar fish absolutely demolished and then they just come up and they were grabbing the head and running away with it and that so is that the that, uh, photo you posted up the other day of that half eaten yeah, boar fish yeah the bory and then i had the um i've got a video of that that spot there was just absolutely yeah just deplorable <laughs> just coated in sharks but um only on the high tide but what's been really, really weird this season is my local is normally seething. So normally landing a kingfish at a few of my reefs after Christmas can be a real challenge if you don't have a what we call like a guard. Yeah. So like you'll have a shooter and a guard, and um, the guard can kind of go down and try to sort of, get, you know, if the shot's well and you've you've hurt the fish enough, then then you you get your chances go up. But I've only, uh, uh, my last three dives, I've only seen one shark there. And the water's been hot as hell, really clean, and it makes no sense to me at all. And 
uh, out of 15 years, you'd normally see six to 10 a day, yeah, well. 12 a day. And for some reason this season, I've seen one and a turtle. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, so I don't know. There might be something to do with, um, we've got that um, Alnino pattern or I don't know. Do you wear I, any like shark guards or anything like that when when you're diving for extra oh, precaution? Nah. The last time I wore a, um, an electronic guard was at the Chathams where there's a lot of great whites and the fucking thing went in my mouth then. Like this is an electric shock. <laughs> it like goes out when you wear it on your ankle. It's like long as it's like a meter and a half long, and it's got like two points uh and and it arcs through salt water yeah so it's just constantly beating so if you get if you tell someone to grab it they get like a real you get it's like a electric fence <laughs> and i went into this hole and the thing just drifted up into my mouth and just went bang oh no i mean electric shock in the face underwater <laughs> and i was like bugger this man a lot of people used to use them and then i spent and then you know we went through the rammings and the times of having to get out of the water because it was just carnage and then learning them again the next summer and the next summer and the next summer. And um, now I just, yeah, I'm, I could I could still very easily get bitten, but I um, I just operate with what gear I've got and yeah. I kind of feel like I know them a bit. Do those um, guards kind of, do they like scare fish or do you like find fish pick no. up on it and that? No, so fish don't have any electroreception. They've only got a lateral line sensor. Yeah. So they've got a, um, a, a lateral line which uh, picks up on vibrations so they can school next to each other and one will move and all the school will go bang and they'll all, all move. It's like when you're watching a workup or a boil-up and they all spray across the surface, as one will get spooked by a bird or something, the whole lot will all spook with the lateral line. Lateral line. But your raisin sharks have... Um, the extra, they have that, but they also have the ampullae Lorenzini, which is the electroreception. So that's kind of like where everyone rubs their noses and they kind of get that tonic uh, overstimulation and then they kind of fuck out, yep. basically. Some of them might enjoy it. It might be like a big hormone release and some of them just <laughs> hate it. Uh, it's the first thing I do. If a shark was chewing on me, I'd just be rubbing the hell out of its nose like sandpaper man, and it, trying to, yeah, really, really disturb it so do you reckon that's um, what happens when people like they say they punch a shark in the face do you reckon that's what oh, it is is that stimulation smack them in the head yeah, yeah they hate it they hate it i've, I've like yeah jabbed them in the face heaps <laughs> bloody. like had them ram and they just they really yeah they just don't like it they, they they know that they're vulnerable especially when they get like a poke it's like oh I'm not used to that it's not something they normally expect and it's you know your eyes and your Sensory gear is pretty important, you know. An ancient creature that bloody has to has to eat to survive. I heard they're not a but, fan of getting like swam towards either. Like you know, because they're a predatory yeah. fish, they like to attack from behind. So if you like head on face them and swim towards them, all fish do that. Yeah. Sharks and fish. So if I want to film a fish, you kind of have to. This is very broad, but you'd kind of go away and away from it and keep kind of looking over your shoulder until it, you see it turn and become comfortable, and then you can kind of raise the camera or raise the gun to it, and then it's coming over on its own terms. Yeah. So a direct introduction of being swam at 
yeah, it's not very, it, it, it's kind of strange for a fish and they just don't really get a good vibe on it. So yeah, sharks can be similar if you want to film them and they're being difficult to film. But in the height of the season in summer, if you've got a little bit of blood in the water, um, yeah, you'll they won't turn around. You'll, you'll both be swimming straight at each other until a connection is made, like put the spear in them or whatever, or sometimes they're quick enough to get out. But yeah, in saying that, when it comes to your shark guards and all your things on there, I'm not swimming in places where it's typically high numbers of white pointers. So our diving is very, um, you know, it's it's very customised to what we're hunting around here. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, we've got access to our... Um, you know, us and you guys have access to the, the all the Pacific Islands there, so we kind of have to deal with all those guys, which are not so much mammal eaters, but you do get some some nasty stuff up there. Um, like your greys and silver tips can get a bit hectic, and oceanic white tips on the fads, and tigers, bloody big tiger can be pretty intimidating. I bet. And bulls. <laughs> First time I seen a tiger, it was traveling at like 15 knots, chasing after, after a fish. So I was like, shit, that's not the calm, nice <laughs> shark that I've been seeing on all the, the posts online. But um, yeah, like the only way to get over the fear of them is to learn the behavior in person. Yeah, that's it. Right? That's the same with any animal, really. Yeah, and I think because then you know that next move rather than being told it. Yeah. It's like, Oh, okay, you're right. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, it's the same with everything. But I think what would help a lot is being with someone that has experience. So you can look over at the flight attendant when in the turbulence and, you know, she's smiling. Then you're like, okay, we're not all going to die. That's uh, what I'm trying to be trying to do with my, my missus. I've been trying to get yeah. her in the water. And so I can't get away from fucking sharks, man. They're everywhere. So. <laughs> You know, if I'm like diving down and happy, and I'm, I the shark swims past, and I don't even bother looking back at it. It's, it's, um, you know, that's sort of the next step. But I also the video footage must help. Um, oh, hundred percent. Got a pretty solid catalog growing. Because, especially for yourself, because you're you're experiencing experiencing it firsthand, then you're going through and editing it all. So you're watching yeah. it like five, six times while you're editing it and then you post it, it up and then you'll probably, you know, give it yeah. a quick run through once it's all edited. So you, by the yeah, time you're like, done, you're just desensitized almost. That's one thing that I think helped hunting a lot was going through footage. Yeah. Actually, because you, you notice a lot of different things, a lot of things, a lot of, there's a lot of 2020 hindsight in, in watching, uh, watching back footage and so what i did was like man i was like going out for this dive and things were legit so i fucking was like well, i'm not getting on the piss or anything on new year's you know like last time i even um had any beer or anything like that was on late november went through christmas and sort of did all right there trying to keep just trying to keep away from anything that's going to make me crash again yep Fucking New Year's night, and this is went out. It's like, fair call. I <laughs> was washing my ute in the rain at like 8 p.m. Got up at 7 a.m., took my mate's boat up north, and just I actually spent six hours by myself filming sharks. 
and was that the morning chunk. you forgot the bung or <laughs> no that was a different that was no that was the crazy day so i wouldn't be doing that by myself but that was that was new year's day so new uh-huh. year's day and i was thinking shit when i get back in what am i going to be like with sharks uh like you know it's been so long and then um i just spent that whole day just really shallow diving um like making sure i was just like really hydrated yeah and i was chumming the odd fish and using my big camera and just hanging out with them and just getting used to them again and i had a mean day i i screwed up the the gopro um strap was at home so i was trying to like put it in my mouth and hunt snapper and it just wasn't (laughs) working so I was like back to it and it was just like me and the sharks again and it was sick. Did it almost yeah. feel like you've had no time off it at all? Like having Yeah, I know? come in really strong and I think that that's from the the interval training actually. That's great. Um yeah, but also um like sleep uh was a big one. Um and a lot of like yeah, a lot of lessons from the the my my concussion clinic lady's Japanese and they're like really staunch. Like, uh, it's quite funny. Eh? It's like, if you start to feel bad, like you, like almost like you Europeans kind of thing. Like you don't, <laughs> you don't like listen to your bodies kind of thing. Yeah. She's like, if you start to feel a little bit bad, you know, if you're video editing or doing whatever, take a break and just lie down and rest. Cause she's like, what you do is you sit there and just can just push through it. And then you'll go the next day you go, what? I feel so shit. So I just, you know, started listening to her as well. And that's kind of, there's a big collection of stuff, but I felt, I felt like that was actually pretty good advice. Yeah, definitely. We, we yeah. tend to be pretty stubborn and we push through, through these yeah. things, especially as yeah. men as well. Like, you know, um, like in any sickness, you know, like, Oh, I'll, I'll leave it for a couple of weeks and see if it gets better by itself. Then yeah. I might go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been sort of, yeah, from doing that to being a frequent flyer. But then yeah. what I've noticed, like a frequent flyer at the doctor, be like, oh my God, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. But then when I get in the water, I'm like, there's people that hunt way harder than me, that are way fitter than me. And I am spending twice as long in the ocean and I'm watching them fuck out of fatigue. And I'm just, I just like don't have an off button in the water. Yeah. And that might've been a part of the problem too, is I'm literally just pushing the body right up against the wall, right to the limit and then um, doing it again and again. So some people might be like, oh, well, who the fuck are you surprised? You kind of, <laughs> you know. Oh, it's one of those things when you have a passion though. It's like, you know, if I didn't have if I didn't have a wife and kids and I didn't didn't have a job, yeah. I'd be in the hills. And yeah. if I wasn't in the hills or anywhere hunting, I'd be fishing, you know. I'd be like Yeah. Eat, sleep, hunt, repeat, you know. It's, well, I think what that gets you is that when you know you know, okay, if I spend the next 5 hours checking through these gullies, there's actually a very, very high chance of me shooting a red stag. Yeah. And i got five hours of light left, and I've been going all day so far. You've you've got to maximize that chance. And that's what I find with spearfishing too, is like a lot of like my my one-minute video of shooting a snapper might be a 
yeah, I've been working for yeah four or five hours, um, and the time is just flying by. Same with being in the bush, you know. Yeah, oh, it's it's that's that's one thing people that don't hunt or fish don't understand oh, is how yeah. quick time goes. Like yeah. it, it drags, but it goes so quick at all. Like because you've got no concept of time while you're yeah, out there. There's morning, yeah. and then there's you know sunset, and that's all it is. Yeah, and I and my wife used to say like, "So what time are you back from spearfishing?" And I'd be like, "That's like that question just doesn't compute." It's like I'm visualizing like a million scenarios in the water. My mates are pretty good. They're like, "Oh yeah, I'll, we'll cut it off right here," blah, blah. and I'm like. Next ridge. <laughs> I'm running that reef. Like, and when I find the sign, I got to put in the yards and then, you know, I got to put, put what one thing Dwayne Herbert said to me that, um, he's a real good Spiro from around here. He's got to like, you got to put yourself in the, in the places to receive the luck. Yep. Or the right places. And, um, for, with spearfishing, you got to be in, in the water to do that. And, um, you know, you got to be able to recognize those places. And then you just know if you're cutting yourself short. I think you'll know the same. The same will be with hunting because you know that you've got the crepuscular, the golden hours on That's both it. sides of the day. So we don't have that so much. Uh, people sort of th- think we do. There's some people that really like to hunt on the sunrise and sunset. I personally... Um, I just like to go hard until I really, really find the sign. Yeah. I think it's, I think our, I think our golden hours are more sort of on tide changes and, and, um, you know, you find the right tide and the right current coming onto the right little bit with the, the right fish there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the addiction of it too. Oh, it is, man. It's, um, it's the whole one more ridge, one more gully mentality. Like what's, what's over this ridge? I just, just got to, just got to get to the top of this ridge and see what's in this next gully. It's, it's, yeah. it's the same type of thing with you running your reefs. Like, oh, what's what's on this next reef? What's around and this bend? What's under this? What's in this cave? I think that's a thing that makes it makes me a good spear fisherman. But the, the it makes me a, um, it makes bow hunting a little bit difficult for me because I tend to second guess myself a lot and move around a lot. Yep. So I'm like, oh fuck should have been there for that you know and i've sort of had it i've sort of had it come together with deer when i've forced myself to slow down a bit more yep but with fish you can kind of um i feel like i can kind of pump it or make haste uh you know slowly yeah, once once you learn certain areas, you can work out like the spots where you can pump through and go go fast, and then the spots where you need to, you know, slow slow yourself down. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. horrible for that at times. You know, we all we all get to it. You're like, oh, I just want to get to this spot, and then when you're rushing through to get to that spot, you spook the deer in between. It's like, oh yeah, shit, exactly. there's never deer in between there. That's, yeah, 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 and that's the—that's the quote. Um, deer are where you find them, mate. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Like you're pushing through. You're like, oh, there's never deer here, so so I can just push through. And then, yeah, the one time you don't go slow, slow through there, that's where the deer are. <laughs> yeah, and that's what's and and it's been a pretty big a learning curve for me. Obviously, like hunting over an indicating dog, because I'm hunting in like 25 yards. It's like a 
shit. Well, that's about as far as you'll see. Yeah. It's really undulating and quite, and I haven't been in a while and I'm, I'm really hoping that that's going to be my next step is, um, to get back into the bush. Definitely keen to see, see that footage. Yeah, yeah, because I've got a trocam still up there, and there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on it. Yeah, beautiful. Um, but um, yeah, so and my dog's like, you know, fucking, he's um, he's a bit of a weapon. He'll like bring me on on deer from shit. I don't know, even out of seven eight hundred meters on a real solid wind. That's sick. But um, you know, I think ground track and bloody. Um, ground track until they get to a wind and then you can cut because it's a lot of you know a lot of undulating crap you get a lot of swirlies but you can kind of get like a um cross reference you can kind of go oh your dog's pretty keen on there and then you keep walking for another 20 minutes and you get that sa- the wind come off that same sort of area and then you go bang right where those two lines meet a bear something in there and then sort of spend an hour trying to get in and um I reckon I'd probably get a shot away on maybe one out of seven encounters that he brings me in on because the deer are just like, fuck, there's something coming here. That's sick. Like, Is that, that mainly <laughs> fallow what you're chasing? No, or reds. Reds? So the fallow can't, they can't really survive in the proper native. Yeah. They're, they're sort of outskirt animals. They live they're, they're, the farm they're like their, Yeah, they're like their... Um, creature comforts the grass and all that but the the, the reds kind of do quite well in the um the proper native and um so the dog can kind of be if, if the wind isn't back and forward which it, but it almost always is the four legs on the ground can be really nice because they're thinking all right well i want to get eyes on this too and then if the terrain is okay then you might get an animal run up and peer over something and try to get a look at the dog while he's locked. Yep. And then, um, you know, head or neck or whatever if you can. Yeah, beautiful. And, um, yeah, I just, I just, uh, there's something I really miss, but it's just another layer to add to it. And I feel like yourself to it. Yeah. And I feel like, um, this, this, and this is what we do here is the water gets bloody cold. The kingfish leave, I and I kind of go into the bush. A lot of people are like, I oh, use soft, but I mean, yeah. it's still it's still good. And it, you know, it's, go and get an ice bath every now and then, but it's very different diving. Like, I did, this diving right now is basically the rut. It's like your snapper are just sometimes, sometimes they're just so blooming stupid. Like, it's unbelievable, and you can film and collect all this kind of cool crazy stuff same you know you're out there and the fellow are croaking and they're like fighting and they're not even paying attention to you that's it um it's best time. almost the same dude so it's like i kind of want to get the camera in for that so that i've got that through the next year to wait you know yeah and um so pretty much when it warms up you're in the water and then when you can and it cools down you're in the bush yeah, well, then our fellow started March. I don't have much access to much fellow anymore, but the reds are kind of early April. Um, and then when they start feeding up again, it's real good hunting through May for the chimes. You get so, down for the, the seeker then? You head down that 
then after that, like, I'd be in for the seeker. I'm really paranoid about getting shot, dude. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people get shot here, hey. Right? So <laughs> I've I, seen um, stories. Yeah, and I'm very, like, when people say hunting, I visualize me holding, like, a red back strap. Like, I'm just, like, I'm that pure meatist. Yeah. Um, I, I look, fuck, don't get me wrong, like, trophy hunting, like, big animals, awesome. <laughs> and the whole thing, like, whatever. But for me, I'm like that. That the that I can't get the image of meat out of my head when I'm thinking about hunting. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. To me, the meat's the trophy, the antlers, the horns. That's a bonus. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's because I just yeah, I just and I'm I'm fucking yeah. I guess I'm just fucking hungry when it comes to that. But I'm like, <laughs> so I really like that period of um, you know, let all the dudes that just absolute frothers get in and and in for the um the seeker and then um i'll come and you know women and children or whatever have a good um a good walk around and um yeah i've had a bit of fun i've haven't had any luck actually on them i have spent bugger all time on them but i mean i've had the dog bring me in to the point where he's eye to eye with one and I raise the scope and he's probably five yards from it and his hair is just on the top of his head is just fringing the bottom of the scope. Yeah. And her and her whole head is filling the scope and I'm just like, well. Bit too close. Catch you later because I can't, you know, I can't smack my dog over on the way through. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, just bit bad luck, but, you know. Ah, uh, Seeker a uh, cool animal, man. I I enjoyed yeah. my time chasing them. I'm absolutely spewing. I turned down shooting one with a rifle, but it is what it is. They're they're a cool deer, and I can't wait to eventually get back over there and, and chase them, you know. Seeker on, on the list and Shammy are the next thing on the South Island one day. Yeah, and, and, and the thing about the Seeker is they're so strange to me. I've, I mean, my mates are sort of those blokes that sort of conquered them and i'm kind of like go out there and get surprised every time like oh one time when my mate's like whistling and fucking one's like roaring up and he's trying to roar it in and i'm like man i need to i really need to go to the toilet dude <laughs> I give it, yeah, and no. i'm like yeah and i'll like have the rifle like four yards away and i'll have two stags like sneak in on me while i'm doing that and then they're just <laughs> you know whistling away and i'm like ah oh, shit so they're real. They've got that real. It's not that like, oh, big bolshy ant antler lock mentality. It's more that like sneak around and try to get in on your opponent and a bloody. <laughs> Samba are the same you know? though too over here. You know, I haven't done. Yeah. I've done more seeker hunting than I've done Samba hunting. But yeah, from what I can understand, Samba are just a bigger, bigger version of seeker when it comes to that that ghost that brown ghost mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's um. Then that's a whole other level. That's a big animal, but for me, man, like bloody pocket fellow, like a two-year-old, two or three-year-old um, uh, doe, or a bloody, you know, anything red, fucking keep loading the freezer up. Like we'll get through. I mean, the thing about it, right? Th this is one thing too, is that sort of the non-hunters don't understand is the amount of animals that they actually eat. Yep. 
that's like you know when i was killing before i got too peeled when i was killing and pretty much living off well yeah i would have been 100 percent living off protein that i got myself you just realize that you're just hoeing through the animals and you're like okay well like and then someone might come around and be like, oh, but isn't that cruel there? Like, do you and your family have just eaten 12 lambs in the last X amount of time? You have no idea. Like, yeah, that's it. You, you you think that you've, by sp- spreading it out or distancing yourself from it, that you haven't c- killed one solitary animal. But the reality is you've, you've, you've definitely eaten um, dozens of, like literally dozens and dozens parts of so, many animals <laughs> yeah 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 would you know if you were going to turn into a transformer it'd be buddy yeah There'd be, um, <laughs> quite a few of them that's but, a funny um, way of looking at it i've never never thought of yeah, looking at yeah. it like that i like well, that well yeah i mean if you if you've made it all into your know, whole animals is definitely you've contributed <laughs> you've definitely killed whole animals for sure via vicariously and um, that's something that I'd like to sort of get out of there too. And as a people, I said, I'll fucking learn to look at your food in the eye, man. It's like that's you it. watch those bloody reality TV shows over in the UK and where they have to kill a chicken dude for dinner. And it's like the, all the girls are crying. <laughs> and, and the two Metro-ass blokes are like, it's going to be it's gonna have to be us, you know. Oh, that's it. It, it just re- it reminds me of a, a TV show that um, one of our politicians who's a hunter and one of his mates uh, did. And it's like living with the enemy. And it was two hunters living with these two animal extremists, vegans. And yeah. like they had to, uh, I don't know if it was a week or so, but one week the hunters had to live with these animal rights activists and go to all their rallies and shit and animal shelters. And then the next week the, 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 the vegans had to go live with these guys out on their farm doing some pest shooting of pigs and shit. Uh, yeah, fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like I, I, they, they lived in this house in the suburbs that, and they had like a, half a dozen stolen animals from farms like one pig yeah, in like a wheelchair yeah, oh <laughs> and they're like oh how does that make you feel and it cuts to cuts to one of them going my first thought was meals on wheels <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well, that's it it's like the thing for me is that i because i'm like a real fence and i like to sort of think from the other side too and like i can understand the empathy and shit you know it's like we feel oh, the hardest man when you do like a fucking gut shot on something oh like, dude oh my god and you're just like god and then like sometimes i've had it where i've like i've had like a real real bad like real bad gut flare up and i'm kind of like jeez did i like you know when you're like oh man this is like proper proper bad you're like did i put that fucking goat or whatever through that like oh yeah. you need to die of that oh it was infection like that's heinous so you're always trying to do what you like, that's why I like, you know, a bit of empathy on that side of it. But when you're fucking, like, as clueless as to, to the effect, the fact that, that, like, protein has sort of made us, you are just way too far separated. And that's, that's when it. you need to go and bloody. Uh, that's kind of almost why I ventured out of the this, this sort of t- towny lifestyle to kill, was because I kind of needed to get that done. Um, to uh just because i knew that that was reality and um 
yeah, it's just like fucking now, like you talk to someone, I'd because I'm so separated from me. I talk to someone and they just, it's such casual conversation and people, the points that they bring up are so easy to deflect or yeah. whatever that it's just like, they're kind of like, oh, well, I guess thanks for teaching me that. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah, I find yeah, speak, speaking to public every day with my work, you know, son goes, oh, what did you do on the weekend? And it's like, oh, I went out hunting. And, like, you just test the waters with them. And, you know, they're either like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. cruel or, oh, that's interesting or what were you hunting? And then you can kind of, yeah. you know, they'll have questions that you can kind of debunk. And then, like, the conversation that it always leads to is the African thing, you know. And then you explain yeah, yeah. to them how that works for the most part and they're like oh shit i didn't didn't realize that i didn't, i never heard that side of the argument before i've never thought of it like that yeah yeah oh yeah yeah i tell them that i, I was listening to a, a bloke talk who he culled um 1100 elephants for um for work and they're like what the fuck? <laughs> but you know yeah yeah it's a lot of meat but well, <laughs> i don't have a clue about the bloody dynamics of someone else's country is like to to bloody you know to go and start forming opinions on it when you're literally buying like the cows that are running through the concrete factory and that's it getting bloody yeah halal electrocuted and all the rest (laughs) of it and um yeah like the bobby calf scenario and all that far out man for the pet food here that's that's just absolutely hectic yeah, it can so, be brutal, but it's, you know, it's the only way to sustain a population. Well, that's right. What we have, you so, know, not everyone can hunt, and I'd, fuck, I don't want everyone to hunt. I And I think a lot of, a, 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 the majority of, like in New Zealand, I think, what I'd like to think is that a lot of the um, avatar workers are pretty um, good these days. Yeah. Like, um, we have a few areas where it's, like, my old man was one, and a few of my mates, but you yeah, it was my first job out of school as well was working on a slaughter floor, you know. It's Yeah. For what it is, it's not too bad, but you do get desensitized for that type of thing, you know. You're coming in, it's yeah. a job, it's work, you come in, you you know, you almost stop looking at the animals as animals because you yeah, yeah. you're seeing them from, you know, when they're slaughtered, the whole, you know, halal one one cover the throat, electrocuted in the back, you know. And then it just yeah, goes yeah. around on a conveyor belt, and by the time it gets to the end, it's just a it's a meaty carcass. So you stop yeah. looking at it as as an animal, so to say, and you're looking at it as meat, as a bit of food. Yeah, and that's the thing too. It's like yeah, I mean, uh, it, quite a lot of it I think depends on the areas too. Like we got areas with sort of high domestic violence where you'll have like kind of nasty slaughterhouses where the guys are kind of yeah, you know, if they're well, I don't know whatever scenario is going on, but that kind of thing. And then obviously places that are really just bloody running the show really well. So it's, um, yeah, it is what it is. But um, I do kind of, I do kind of enjoy the old, you know, bush meat and the fact that like the reds, Particularly living in like the native here, the blood is so like pure because nothing can. If you if you're born cooked, you you're out of the, you're you're out, you're gone. Yeah. So um, the health of the animals that I've seen in our native, we we're, we're, we're they're not dropping ten out of you, and hopefully don't 
up here. But um, it's just uh, like really, really good quality. So, you oh, know, it's, you can it's insane, mate. Fish. Yeah. And then um, the other thing, too, is the uh, you kind of there's a difference between the mammals and the fish. The fish don't have the luxury, eh? They don't have we don't they don't have our empathy as much. Yeah. Um. Like I t- I've got a few of my mates into the into the mammal hunting. They're like, oh, this is a bit <laughs> feels a bit more real. Like the the hot blood on the hands and stuff, you know. And the thing with eyelashes. Yeah. yeah oh, goats that are like so they're going out in a bloody yeah eyelashes and and also screaming. Yeah. Oh, goats know. are goats like, are the worst for <laughs> that man. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like you know the fish is just like. Yeah, they kind of, but I and I go out of my way, um, the majority of the time to um, kill fish very quickly. Oh, the go, amount of videos where you you stone the fish, like I was showing showing guys at work the other day, some customers of ours, and just watching the the, the clips of you stoning the fish, like just absolutely just no life yeah. left in them at all. It's mental. Yeah, that's nice, <laughs> and also getting. A blade in there real fast yeah. and then um and then whipping the guts out and um but so the worst man the worst is 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 gut shooting fish and then having all the guts pull out and then seeing them swim away yeah yes yeah, so, oh my goodness me but that's but just oh, food for the other the other fish <laughs> they'll get all the into good that. thing yeah yeah the good thing about um or the interesting thing about the um the ocean compared to the bush is the amount of the heavy amount of predation. Um, once, once you become, once you show a little bit of weakness, everyone is on you, and even the same species. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's quite an interesting thing to watch. You know, you can watch um, something up, and it might be of the same species, and every man and his dog is in there just tearing at it, or you know, sinking down almost whole. Sometimes you have to drop something if something big rolls in that you want to smack. And uh, watching it getting tuned up. Well, that's the thing. Everything in the ocean's food for something else. You know, we yeah. s- we have it on the surface, like on land, but it's all you know microbes and bugs and stuff yeah. slowly, slowly breaking yeah, down a carcass. Right. But in the ocean, it's you know the fish, and then yeah. when the fish are done, it's the crabs and the crayfish and yeah, yeah, man. It's all- yeah, yeah. I didn't really think of the microbes in that eh? Yeah. Bloody- but um, yeah, it's uh, uh, one thing is it's just yeah, it's kind of mind blowing to be back into it and then to be uh, I've got videos to make now, so now my worry is how in the hell am I gonna um, <laughs> edit all this? Yeah, my last week, man, just yeah, unbelievable. No, nah, it's it's good to see you back into it, and I'm definitely keen to see see the videos and the footage and the photos that you put out. You know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there'll be, yeah, lots. And then I just and then I'll just do a whole bunch of throwbacks for a laugh too. Yeah. Oh, it's it's been awesome to chat too. Like fucking time is absolutely flying past, you know. And we haven't. I think we've touched on maybe two questions, three questions. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh well. <laughs> Fire them out if you got them. Oh, we'll, we'll brush through a couple quickly. I don't want to hold you too much. You know, there is a two and yeah. a half hour time difference, so it's probably getting quite late on your end. Yeah, I'm not too <laughs> bad. So, 
not too bad. We'll brush on a couple questions. Top beginner tip for someone getting into spearfishing. Um, the be- beginner tip. For, uh, so I probably should have thought about it. <laughs> the key one. This is hard for me because I'm um, I'm at that level where everything's novelty. Yeah. So, but I've just been trying to get my wife into it, and um, it's um, the whole thing for her. What I noticed the other day. I mean, this might help people. Was just that she was overwhelmed by all of the gear and the strangeness of it. Yeah. And um, so we put her straight in and she was like trying to roll over onto her back. And I was like, you have to listen to me. You have to get over onto your front. And then, yeah, she was all good. And then like 10 minutes later, she was set there. Um, So firstly, before I sort of get into any sort of tips like that, I would um, just encourage people to like get all their gear on and get, look online and get weighted correctly for what you're wearing just find like a generic chart for your thickness of wetsuit and all the rest of it yeah and go out and somewhere with someone who kind of knows what they're doing or definitely knows what they're doing and just have a good swim around and just like learn to swim around even just get your gopro out or your phone in a bloody plastic case or whatever and have a mosey around and get used to it because there's a lot of there's a lot of weird tendons and muscles that you use to kick long fins and those have to like tune up a little bit yeah, i can um, see cramping being issues with yeah that. so that you need to get a lot of salt and hydration obviously there's there's a really massive thing there with your electrolytes and stuff that's going to come later on with like your big long days and stuff like that but you're getting used to the gear and then um properly um understanding um as best you can shallow water blackout would probably be the the next one um and what over breathing technically means so um we're basically encouraged now to breathe completely normally like tidal breathing yeah um so that you're not um blowing off too much um uh, co2 and then when you dive you get a correct idea of uh, when you need to breathe, you're not tricking your body. So not a lot of people know that um, a lack of oxygen isn't what gives you the urge to breathe, that feeling of, shit, I need air. It's actually the buildup of CO2. Um, so if you hyperventilate, you blow too much CO2 off, uh, you'll literally run out of oxygen before you f- really feel that urge to breathe. So that's why all those people have died doing the, the Wim Hof business in the water. Yeah. Because he's been teaching them to breathe like mad men. And then they've um, um, basically yeah held their breaths and then pushed themselves into hypoxia, which is, you know, exactly the same as you're on top of Everest. The only symptoms of hypoxia are kind of darkness on the outside, like closing in a little bit. Yeah. So, um familiarize yourself with um because there's so much information online now just with um as you free dive the one up one down rule what shallow water blackout is it's just the safety surrounding free diving and then you can go all right i because what i don't want is i don't want you know the the five and a hundred who are susceptible to um 
to a hypoxic bit or whatever to just go out and have a crack and then be like, oh, whoops. Um, that's sort of our main goal, uh, I think, with like online chatting about the sport because we underestimate our reach. Um, so, yeah, and then after that, just fail. <laughs> <laughs> just go out and fail a thousand times. And and, and 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 motivation will probably kill more fish than skill because you got to be in the water to do it and I've seen it I've seen it so many times that's it I've seen that the, the, you're in the water you're on the surface and the big boy rolls up and you just put the shot in like that's how it goes so yeah the beginner advice I'd have to sort of keep going that direction and then hope that that sort of sets people off the bit into the the best general direction yeah and then don't and then don't overdo it no that's yeah that's all good advice man what about top five either species to go spearfish or animals to go hunt anywhere in the world money not being an issue what what would they be for myself yeah Um, definitely, um, dog tooth. Uh, I really enjoy hunting dog tooth. Yep. Um, I've got this like, the, 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 the power behind them is just like, absolutely. I can't even explain it. It's actually terrifying. <laughs> and it kind of almost doesn't matter. Like the gear, like you you can get, you just get set up to the max and just get absolutely destroyed. Like again, running D shackles and 700 kg rope and towed lines and like have these things, you know, if they're not hurt on the run. So if I was just like living, living the dream, I'd be um, doing doggy drifts and, and just learning them and just watching them and probably end up filming them. Like I do with a lot of things that I like. Um, Cause they're a kind of, they remind me quite a lot of king, kingies. Okay. Yeah very big like they can get very big so those things there are great um then maybe um this is a hard one maybe it maybe um it'd be elk or muleys yep that's a, maybe that's the, a big the one. same yeah maybe um Maybe muleys, if I could like go up by myself and I had all the gear and I was like, you know, someone was like, stay here and check all these spots and you're out there for two weeks and all your food and everything's here, you dropped off in a helicopter, muleys. But for elk, I'd have to be with someone that was like mad dog caller. That was like bloody, like knew how to literally, um, what's his name? Doctor, what's his name? He knows how to speak to the animals. Oh, Doctor um, Doolittle. <laughs> yeah, basically Doolittle. <laughs> like, uh, like, because you know, some of those guys spend fifteen odd years like learning how to call and really, really make it work and moving on like the herd bull as opposed to the satellites and all that. I'd love to see all that go down, man. Film that. I reckon that'd just be like absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, nah, that'd be badass. Yeah, um, and. Um, after that, oh, what would it be after that? It'd have to be something back in the water. <laughs> Maybe just like a 
big fat marlin like just a disgustingly big marlin just for the sake of it have you chased marlin before uh, i've i've filmed a marlin that i could have shot like a big marlin a big blue marlin that i sort of swam away from and then like it was kind of like i swam towards it same old and it sort of ran away and was flickering around on the outskirts and then i rebreathed and i dove away from it and then it was looking at me like screw you you're not getting away with that and it just like charged at me and it was it was a big unit man and i heard the camera just swung the camera around perfectly and it like just glided past <laughs> me and then went off into the haze probably like a thousand meters of water and out in the islands so getting a spear and that would have been nice I, I had a black like circling me really really fast that i got on film and i was with sam cox from adreno and we kind of made the call not to shoot it like we probably would have shot it if it slowed down but the shots would the shot opportunities difficult um and then um at the end of that um unlimited cash i'd probably like bloody be on like either a really nice yacht on a great barrier island or a, um, <laughs> a house or something and i'd i'd um i'd be just looking for a snapper that was just just like colossal like yeah i'd just be searching for one that was just an absolute demon that you'd never even seen before i've worked sort of the outer gulf i've got a couple of areas in mind i'd probably have to put yeah a good few years in get a lot of good footage that's sick yeah and this and then um live the dream like that so do you know are you friends with that fellow is it joel davies that's been um shooting them with the bow and uh the slingshots i know of him i actually um funny you mentioned that i just seen him today um up north there bloody bow shooter a snapper fuck man that's a dream of mine that's really that, cool that looks so fucking fun like i i bow fish um carp down here but that's all you're legally allowed to bow fish um yeah, yeah so right. watching him bow fish the snapper off the rocks that just looks that that yeah fucking intense <laughs> yeah that's cool so we basically like the further north you get from me and north up around there if you if you get some really good knowledge in around there, man, you get that that place is glorious. But the problem for a, I guess for a, a deer hunter is we don't really have any deer up there. So yeah, I remember when yeah, I was I went up that way. I was chatting to you, and you're like, yeah, there's <laughs> there's there's not heaps up there because I I went up to Fungaday. Yeah, yeah. So there's basically nothing. I um, mean, you might get the pocket of fella. I think there's like my mate tried to cull the city got hired to call seeker out of russell up near there but um you know like even with a team of dogs and everything they could only just find a little bit of sign and stuff so but you you've really on with the fish up there so i mean you could just harden up and bloody travel further yeah oh, we we do i mean you guys and aussie travel hard but we the, the sort of for me like the auckland i get cock blocked by by this big pile of traffic the main issue really is um for me is um you know we've got two kids yeah and finally my daughter's just turned 14 so she can actually babysit the six-year-old but um and then like financially being like sort of all over the show with being half peeled and then um after like covid everything's sort of like you know expensive as fuck yeah um that sort of makes things a little bit more difficult but um you know 
it's uh, a petrol dude. Like, what the fuck is happening with petrol? And I don't know if it's the same for you guys. Oh, it's it's ridiculous down here. Uh, you know, yeah, for yeah. moments it was like two. Well, it was it was sound sound about normal for you, but we were paying you know two two dollars thirty, two dollars forty for diesel. Which before COVID, yeah, that's about what I'm paying. We're paying, you know, a dollar, dollar ten, dollar twenty. You know, on a bad, yeah. a, a bad week, it was a dollar forty, and now, you know, you see a dollar, dollar fifty diesel. Everyone's, you know, or it, the streets are lined up for it. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we like that here, man. Plus, Quite. you guys have to play pay diesel tax on top of that. Right, you've got the yeah, the um tolls as well. As you head up yeah. out of Auckland, like it's fucking yeah, you yeah. poor bastards. <laughs> yeah, like I mowed the lawn today, and I was like looking at the ninety one going into the, the thing, and I was thinking, oh shit, <laughs> it's like bloody luxury. I, I need to go catch a couple today. of goats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the neighbours would love that. Full Rizzo. I had like beehives here back in the day, and I bloody the neighbours just hated me. Batch <laughs> area, but like the rich people. Yeah. Kind of like the local, like Westy kind of bogan dude with all the animals hanging up. <laughs> <laughs> like they right. honestly, they're just like this, this guy. <laughs> yeah. So, what's your favorite thing to cook with hunted or caught um, foods? Like, what would be your go-to dish out of, you know, whether it's venison, goat, kingfish? What What's your go-to dish to make? Oh, I have to do my go-to. My go- my recent go-to. It's actually been a go-to for quite a while now. It's real simple because if I'm cooking for like quite a few people, um, I'll um, normally just do like rice, just basic rice, and then I'll make a sauce with um, like I'll just mash up avo. This is like real towny business here. <laughs> a real fucking what do you call it? Um, what is it? What's the name for those people that you guys have in Melbourne? Oh, I call them, <laughs> I call them ve- vegan fuckwits, but um, hipsters. <laughs> hipsters, yeah, yeah, it's a bit hipstery, but, you know, it goes down all right. Um, so you, like, mash up avo, throw in, like, sweet chilli and a bit of mayo and a bit of soy if you want, and just, like, mash it up, and that's your sauce. And then I'll just, like, olive oil pan and just sear... Um, you know, let's say like, oh, whatever, snap, snapper fillet, 10-pound snapper or whatever, just like do a one-third, one-third, let the rest of it just sort of ease through and then, um, yeah, just serve it with rice and just have the um, have the avo on it as a sauce. And um, sometimes I put it that, like, I've done it in my stories recently. We had it out on the boat with us. Um, is that, There's a QP one. I think it's a Japanese one. Yep. That you can have on the side. It's like a sesame sauce. And um, that's like, man, that's like luxury. It's like you pay 90 bucks for that if you're out in bloody <laughs> town somewhere. I'm sure. Well, people, sound- do, people would, not me. But That rice dish sounds good. I'm going to have to um, go catch some fish to... To give it a try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Otherwise, man, if it's Vinny, I just bloody... I should be a bit sneaky. I haven't used a pressure cooker. But, um, yeah, I, just, I do everything too. Curries, everything. Yeah, but, slow, yeah slow cooker's the, the go-to in this house, you know. Just chuck chuck some shanks into slow cooker with some instant sauce and serve up with some rice or mashed potato. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, give that give that one a jam and just like the bloody. Do you like avo? 
Oh, I love avocado, dude. Yeah, yeah, sweet. I thought you were going to be like, oh, you're fucking. <laughs> <laughs> but you get that, that like, yeah, I kind of whipped up like that, just that sweet chili and that, and that mayo in there. It's like, and you can put quite a lot in because you're technically using it as the sauce anyway. So, yep. so it's quite sweet. And then just throw it on. Fuck, sweet ass. It's just don't over, overdo it with the fish. No, don't overdo the fish. That sounds so good. So, how do you, like, I know New Zealand's a bit more accepting of hunting and fishing than majority of Australia, I'd say. But how do you yeah. see the public views on hunting and spearfishing, especially spearfishing? Like, if you meet someone, you tell them you go spearfishing, do they kind of react a bit different or? Um, that's a pretty good question, eh? Because I've like sort of isolated myself. But over the last couple of years, well, not isolated, but isolated to the, the hunting and spearing scene. Yeah. But there is quite a lot of crossover to the, um, like, because I'm kind of near Auckland City and all my wife's friends and that are kind of, I just don't think, I just don't know if people have the balls to tell me what they really think. <laughs> <laughs> like, because sometimes you can just, like, tell that something's going on there. Yeah. But you maybe get a couple of, like, you know, like, at a bloody, at a bloody, um, you're out at somewhere, Christmas do or whatever, and someone's got a few drinks and then you might get it. I think the consensus is, I think the consensus is, is more curiosity around spearfishing. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I got my paddy, and I'm like, no, no, we're not using scuba. And they're like, well, what are you doing then? Oh, so you shoot it, and then how do you even fight it? Like, it's actually quite foreign to like the general people. Yeah. Um, I think people have a belief that our fishery is so healthy that um, there's no issue whatsoever. Um, if you move into the fishing community, they just fucking hate us. And uh, I could be wrong now in saying that, but I uh, I get a vibe. I try to be very nice to fishermen these days before I hop in. <laughs> Otherwise, like throwing like lures and stuff at you and ready rah. But I can also see why because I see feel the same feeling when i see other sparrows especially when they're sort of near my spots i'm like you bastards <laughs> so yeah i do get that whole thing it's like you know there's that whole thing so it's um but you know once you i mean in terms of it being accepted uh like it's absolutely accepted as a as a means of getting food to the point where it's you know it'll be you'd have it on the news and that's good it's absolutely fine. Um, in terms of our hunting, I think, um, yeah, you've got the Auckland, like you've got the cities where you'll have the pushback because they simply don't, they just don't grasp it quite, you know. Yeah. Like, but you'll, but you have such a heavy um, influence in the farmland that it just kind of overrides it you know and you'll always you know like for example like a, a wife's christmas do would uh, is, is something that i would bring up because it's sort of where i'm socializing outside of the the scene um you'd have um you'd always have like the odd people that will chip in and go, oh, my brother's into hunting, and oh, it's so cool, and this and that, oh, you, I love my venison, and rah ra And then you have a lot of the people that are like, oh, all the deer need to die because they're destroying the bush. Yep. And I have a very – I also have a mixed opinion on that because we did have a big browsing animal, the mower, 
that went extinct only very recently, uh, 400 or 600 years or whatever it was. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think Doc and that try to concentrate a bit more on the possums and stuff, but it's hard to say. I'm not the one in there studying the native and what's happening with all the new growth and all the rest of it. Yeah, we're but, we're we're tackling that at the moment here, and especially South Australia, but Victoria and New South Wales is the helicopter helicopter culling. You know, they're yeah. just going through mowing down. As like, I just they've declared pretty much declared a war on deer, and they they're going for total eradication. So there's, yeah, there's right. something that we're dealing with at the moment. You know, hunters are like, hey, no, what the fuck? We don't want the deer. Like, we're happy for them to be controlled, but let us be the ones, like, rather than locking up these parks, let us yeah. go in there, control them, then we can use the use the meat rather than you going in there with three guys with shotguns in a helicopter and just dumping yeah. lead left, right, centre into everything that moves. Yeah, yeah. And I've got, I've got a few mates there too. I've got mates that have had to go and cull, like, sort of north of Auckland there and, like, go with the thermal and shoot 100 deer and just leave them. And I'm like, dude, could you at least, like, tell us where they are? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, but, um, and, and we've got places that, like, forestry that's completely overrun and stuff like that. But it's, I mean, what, the, yeah, I, I don't think we've got it as bad as you got. I think your government kind of is very, like, on or off it's like it doesn't really sit in in the middle grounds it's like right now we're gonna fucking kill the deer and then yeah. it's like everyone has to be like holy shit okay but we've kind of got this like um yeah it's kind of like a it's it, i mean i'm really on the outskirts here with my opinion because I, I really don't pay much attention these days but it just seems to be like it's kind of a a balance and it kind of just goes through its little cycles i mean they had the huge bloody tar cull but there's still a shit ton of tar down there, and um, I don't know. Like, and and people when they, I find it hard to take anyone seriously when they talk about like native bush in New Zealand. It's like, well, look at the damage to the native. I encourage anyone to pull out a pull out Google Maps and look at New Zealand, <laughs> and look at the greenery versus the dark native bush. Yeah, oh, it is all farmland now we have cut down all of the native bush so we've come in in the last however x many years and literally chopped all the native bush down and we're like these fucking deer mate I tell you what <laughs> and it's like yeah well okay i mean i i i sort of get it more i think it's important to protect bird species that might go extinct like we had a fucking ferret up like a stoat up here kill like six bloody kiwis behind a big predator fence here um, at the end of the peninsula. So, you know, those animals that are vulnerable to, to, to map, because there was no mammals here apart from a small bat, you know. Yeah, that's it. Those birds, but we're lucky in the Gulf in that we've got offshore islands where, um, you know, they're still pest-free and you're never going to get every last little rat out. So there is a real battle there. But... Um, that brings up pretty strong opinions. It does, it does, and it does over here too. It brings up a lot of hate for possums. Oh, kiwis and their possums, yeah, man! Yeah. Like <laughs> we got a. It's funny over over Christmas time here. Um, the family and I went to a place in South Australia called Mount Gambier. Um, yeah, yeah. Massive blue lake. Not sure if you know of it or not, but it's like a volcanic crater. 
and it's just got this massive blue lake in it. But there's a bunch of like sinkholes with the, in the town, and one of the places is a sinkhole garden where at night time you go go with a bag of fruit and you feed possums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like so, you know, the kids and me are feeding possums, and the whole time I'm yeah. feeding the possums, I'm just laughing. I'm like. Every yeah. Kiwi friend of mine right now would be hating me. <laughs> yeah. They're, well, they, they're feeding they're, possums and giving them a little pat, you know. <laughs> I was giving them biscuits and the Goldie like on my deck. And I had three of them coming down. But one interesting thing was we had a few like feral cats kind of move in. And yep. then the, I never seen the possums again. So I don't know if like, I don't know if there's a little bit of a bloody thing going on there turf war between cats and possums <laughs> yeah i don't know cat cat taking down a possum but then again cats take down some pretty big stuff yeah wouldn't i wouldn't so, surprise me with cats taking out possums that's for sure yeah that's kind of what i thought might have been the deal um because they completely disappeared but i mean there's still a lot the odd farmer here and that they will have you know friendly possum that'll walk around with them and they'll have them inside and that it's illegal and stuff i think like having an outright hatred for an animal we were brought up kind of like to hate them yeah and then i think that's critic if you use critical thinking that's just really fucking odd because it's like all right well you know british kind of colonized here and then we brought some shit over like they brought hedgehogs off over because it reminded them of Britain. It's not really the hedgehog's fault. That blew me away um, being over there when I was when I was out yeah. hunting Taupo. Um, <laughs> fuck, like I I didn't really think of hedgehogs being being a pest. Like I never crossed. Like I knew you had issues yeah. with stoats and ferrets and all of that type of stuff. But we're cruising along in the bush, and yeah. I, I followed my mate Chris. And then next minute he's like hedgehog. Oh, and then before before I could even react, he's just stomped it. I'm like, oh no way! I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I, it, like I know it's an introduced animal and all, but it, it took it's me so by shock. I'm like, I've never even seen a hedgehog, and now the first the first one I see just gets crushed. Right. Is that Blythe? Is it? Yeah, yeah, Chris Blythe. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, just, yeah, that's Blythe. That's, yeah. that's hilarious. He was from Tassie or something, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. But yeah, yeah. It, it, it absolutely blew me away. I'm just like, just, just. If you see another one before you kill it, can I please just like pick it up and have a look okay. at it first before you? Yeah, yeah. Then you can kill it. That's fine. I just want to, yeah. you know, I've never seen one of these before. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we um, oh, we went out with the big thermal. I was testing my mate's thermal out. We were walking out there. He's a medic for the Westpac chopper. He's a good bloke. And um, I've seen this thing walking along the farm, and it was like this thing zooms in really, really well. And it was like thin, like thin, really thin. And it was like thin from belly to, to back. And it was walking on fours and it had a, a snout on it, like a sharp face. And I was like, well, that's, I can kill that because that is nothing that's not killable here. Yeah. On a, you know, we've got there's cows here and there's like some sheep and there's rabbits and shit that we're shooting in there. And I shot it. And it was quite far away. I went over and it was a bloody hedgehog. <laughs> and the um, spikes must have been a thermal barrier for the um, heat. So I was just seeing this like really wacky looking thin thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, and actually I I, I did, uh, one time I put down a bloody a goat to um, try to um, bring in a big boar that was hanging out in one of these, in a forestry block. Um, as it started to rot, you know, and um, 
I put a trail camera on it, and we had two roosters, two cats, <laughs> and these cats were quite large too. Like they were getting their arm, like their front paws. I don't know if you call them arms, like the front <laughs> whatever, around the neck of this thing and like grabbing it and like pulling it. Yeah, wow. It's a big heavy goat, and one hedgehog. <laughs> And the hedgehog was just there, like nibbling, but he 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 waited till it was full carrion, like full rot. Yeah, he's probably but, uh, eating all the insects off of it, all yeah. the maggots and shit like well, that. Well, I went down there, and he was he he wandered on down, and I just watched him starting eating rot, eating rot. That's I was nuts. like, oh wow, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. They must get into it, but yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing with this country is that we've just the, the whole environment's <laughs> changed, and now it's just like, oh well deal with it i mean that's that's the battle we're facing at the moment you know yeah one of every fucking species of deer from japan to indonesia to america to europe to bloody uh you know even they even tried to do uh chittle and moose the moose the moose thing blows me away that's that's cool what what, what's your opinion on the moose thing i just watched a document little doco series on on it the other day that some fella put out which was really cool um I'll have to forward it to you, but you reckon? Do you reckon they're still around? I just don't think. I just don't think they'd be able to hide now with the thermals in those in those fjordland gullies and stuff. Yeah, the thermal it's thermal helos. Crazy I think it's a down nice, there, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a nice. Um, it's a nice uh, idea. Yeah, and and if they did pop up, it would be sick. But uh, yeah, I just don't like. I, a few of the yeah, it is it is pretty gnarly shit though. If they do pop so, up, they have to knows? put like a you know a governor tag, like one one tag a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's do right. like a lotto for them. <laughs> and it's wild, like the, the the the. I mean, when you get into the proper Alp country down there, you've got they're so hybridized. You you the most percentage Alp I think you shoot at the moment would be seventy percent or thirty percent red. Yeah. So they're still. Like half roaring, half screaming, angry, angry animals. Yeah, I've heard heard some stories. They get pretty serious in those what blocks, you know, culling the reds and you know, keep, yeah, keeping yeah. certain genetics in and taking out certain frames. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a whole world away from me um, being the South Island and being being up here spearfishing. But it's, uh, I do find <laughs> it very interesting. Oh, it's it's it, it's it's a cool thing to believe in, you know. You've got like you know Bigfoot in the in the states. You've got Yeti like Yetis in the Himalayas. You got Yowies here in Australia, and you know Tasmanian uh, tigers. And then you've got got moose down in New Big Zealand. Big bull moose. Should <laughs> mention that. Oh man, it's someone's saying we got goat the goat men. Everyone's just going. We got a bloody goat man in the commas or something. That's okay. Going, oh, fuck it. Probably me. <laughs> I haven't heard that. That'd be sick. (laughs) Yeah. Some dude just just wearing goat capes and antler horns cruising around the hills. Oh, before I forget, that's what. There's two things. I um, I was walking in there one time, and this one guy says to me, he's walking out because it's like popular walking track. He says, "So I had a rifle." He goes, "Oh, what are you gonna shoot?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna try to kill a deer." And he's like, "Oh, what are you gonna do? Just get a photo with it and then leave it." I'm like, mate, I don't have a bloody 80 that a pack on fucking dog that I've spent bloody however many thousand hours training and all the rest of this gear to sleep up there like a homeless man <laughs> to leave an animal behind. Like, what kind of daydream are you 
living in. <laughs> and um, this is something you reminded me of before with the, so there is some cluelessness out there still, but um, how I said I was adopted, this will be the first podcast I've said this on. Um, so I did my DNA test, right? Yeah. I was like, I want to I'll find out what I am. I was like, do I have any, like, you know, Maori in me or do I have any, fuck, I could be 1% Ugandan, it could be anything. <laughs> you know, how would you know? It turns out I'm as white as you get, basically, <laughs> like pretty much Germanic and mid-Europe and right around. Irish and a bit of all that stuff. And I, um, but I got, I only did it to find out what I was. I was like, cause I want, just want to have an idea of what I am in yep. terms of my inheritance is whatever. Yeah. Uh, where, where are my ancestries from? I got this click and it was like fucking this person shares like an extremely insane amount of DNA with you. Right, So I sent them a message. I'm like, oh, because I know my birth mother's name. I've never met her. Okay. And I sent her my name. I was like, do you know this person? And she goes, oh, hold on. She's like, oh, shit, kind of hold on. Like, this. So that was actually my birth dad's sister. Yeah, wow. Perth, right? She goes next door to his house where he's living, tells him that he's got a son that he doesn't even know about. It was in his fucking thirties, right? So within four hours of me sending her that message, he he rings me or whatever, and I and I was like, he's like, what the like? <laughs> As you would. He's been an Aussie since '86, so he's got the hard twang and everything. Like, it sounds like he's from Perth. <laughs> he's like, mate, oh bloody! I was like, how long have you known about me? He's like, four hours. <laughs> and he's like, she, she. We broke up and she never told me the last time I seen her. She was sort of hiding from me on all this shit. Long stories, hard cases. And I met him. He flew over. Yeah, fuck. And he goes, what do you do? What do you spend most time doing? So I said, well, basically, I've, my main thing is filming underwater. And he goes, what the fuck? His fucking career, like his whole career, was filming underwater yeah, off nuts. Western Australia um, for... Um, the whale sharks and the tourism and all the rest of it. So he's like straight away sending me all these pictures of him underwater with a camera. Um, with like all these whales and fucking uh, whale sharks and bits and pieces without even ever knowing that I existed or me never even knowing who or where he was. Yeah, that's nuts. That's like that whole um, nurture versus nature, eh? It is really fucking weird. And then I was like, yeah, and I was like, I'm also a bit of a bogan, and I like grew up listening to metal. Like, I love metal, <laughs> metal here today. And um, he's like, oh, that's what your mum's like, hard, you know? And I grew up, my my old lady's like Catholic, hard, like, yeah. real strict. And my mum, my dad's like Protestant, you know, police officer. So it's like, you know, fucking just total divergence from, from that. And they're champions too, you know, but like I kind of wanted to know where my roots were. And yeah, like um, the nature, you know, it's like it really does sort of come out. It's quite a hard case. That's crazy, man. I've, I've always wanted to do one of those 23andMe's just to see that whole that whole blood bloodline thing. See, you know, hope, hoping yeah. for a bit of, um, you know, Native Australian in me. So yeah, I can, yeah. So I can get away with a bit more hunting and fishing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I've, yeah, I forgot about that. Actually, I bloody could have got my um, 
crayfish quota put up or whatever. No, I don't know if they did that here. <laughs> I think if you eat, I think you can get like a nice big hall for like funerals and things like that. But I think we still have it pretty good regardless. Oh, it just man. means you have to go out diving more. All, all Australians are envious of how good New Zealand has it, you know, especially with all yeah. the huts, you know, all the area, you know. Going chasing tar last year, you know, I'm just like, oh, what do I need to do license wise? And my mate's like, yeah, you just uh, do do this free form online for the for the dock land, and you're good. It's like, oh yeah, you really? just print it out. And he's like, yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. Like, really? That's all you yeah, have to do. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. And you yeah, just that's awesome. you just show up to the trailhead, and you you know you're getting the guns, the bows out, all your stuff. You got hikers and backpackers, and you know I've I've said it numerous numerous times before but yeah you know rock up to a hut and there could be like two other people from you know europe somewhere or america or fucking wherever and they're not hunters at all they're just doing the trails and you're sharing a cabin yeah they're just walking around and they're you know half of them don't even blink that you got rifles it's uh, it's a weird feeling like i think you feel weirder having rifles and the bows and shit than (laughs) than the people there seeing it it's it's fucking bizarre, but it's so cool. It's something we're very envious of here in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, it's quite it's quite nice. And then I'm envious of my own life I had in Aussie because I think I got in quite set with my um, properties. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's like 100 bucks a day, man. So I have 500 bucks. So I could be like for five days with a com. And the amount of animals to myself was just unbelievable. Yeah, that's that's something up. lots of Australians have an issue with is the whole pay to play. Um, you know, yeah, dude, paying to be on a property. But like, like For you me, said, then you get that whole the whole property well, yourself. The thing is, is that if you're going to do that here, you're paying ten times more per day. Yep. You because the amount of people that want to hunt. You're paying that, so that, and then, so the South Island, yeah, you got you got a lot more freedom, and it's a lot heartier, and there's a lot more animals up here. It's like it gets quite dense. It, there's like there's so many hunters. Yeah. So you you know these a lot of these properties will be booked out for this amount of time, and it's like shit. What will they charge? Like we people pay thousands and thousands of dollars. Like and the, and the obviously the Yanks come over to do like the to get like a real big head, you know, and they'll pay like fifty or sixty grand or whatever. Um, for one animal, which is like, okay, right. Mental. But that's genetics, big bones, that's, you know, deer that have been bred. and That's know, behind pe- a fence, Yeah, mate. yeah. It's <laughs> like, that, that, it's like a dentist who can hardly lift up a rifle. I don't mean any offence <laughs> to anyone, but I've fucking seen it. And it's like, that animal is like, oh, yeah, it might, it might be around there kind of thing. Like, I don't, yeah, coming from a perspective of meat hunting, um, pouring, I mean, pay to play is, you know, for me, like, um, saving up, like, you know, every three months to go out for a week, to have this, to have two thousand acres out of a five thousand acre block to myself, yep. full of pigs, it just I can just have a, I can just, I'm just in nature, like you know. Oh, that's a save up. That's a good it, way it, to look at it for sure, and hopefully a bunch of Australians yeah. take that into perspective when they're. I just you know, know. I just thought 
that there is is just accommodation. It's a hundred bucks a day, man. Yeah. Like what the hell? Like is it still? It can't still be that cheap. No, nah, I doubt it would be. There could be places, you know. There's a lot of bow bow hunting only places. You know, there's some places that allow dogs on. Some places that are rifle. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But it, it also depends on what you're chasing, genetics. With yeah, in the time that you were here, and then have gone, you know, goat prices have sk- were skyrocketed, and now they're yeah, back yeah. down to like two dollars a live kilo, if not less. Um, yeah. So you know, farmers aren't getting anything for goats anymore. But it got up to like yeah. twelve, thirteen dollars a live kilo. So you can yeah. see why farmers just stop people letting people go out there and shoot as many goats as they want because you know you get a yeah. you get 150 goats that's almost 20 grand that you yeah, get well, for nothing yeah yes yeah, so, i mean for me that that, that was a no-brainer for me because it's like dude what are you going to do for recreation anyway you put well you got you could go out and spend some of the boys and sales so i was training sales and stuff up in on the goldian in brisbane yeah We'll spend five hundred bucks over the weekend. That's oh, like shit. Five hundred bucks in a night if you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. someone's getting getting on the gear or whatnot, plus alcohol yeah. accommodation. That's yeah, that's exactly. nothing for those people to spend in a night. So if you're spending that for five days out bush, yeah, man, that's that is worth it. So it's, yeah. it's definitely yeah, a better way to look at it. That's for sure. And my thing too is like you know there are spotlighters and there's people out there and it's like you know that farmer wants these blocks loaded up. Yep. He's going through the hard shit too because it's like out there doesn't. Do, did you bring any rain? Oh, no, I'm sorry, I didn't bring any rain. <laughs> well, you can fuck off back home then. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like cows are like they have to be Brahmin because it's like fucking might as well be India. So goddamn dry, and um you're like kind of like guarding that property at the same time you know there's someone on there and it's kind of like the whole thing just works that's it and um oh dude and but the nature there like the like you know we we don't have the gnarliness here like it's not as gritty so it 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 can be dangerous here because you can fall and you get fucking wet like it's always wet and cold it's really hard to start a fire in the combines because the bush is so goddamn thick. Yep, I learned that. <laughs> yeah, everything's just fucking wet. And you're wet all the time, and the shooting light is at the stops at three p.m. because it's so damn dark because it's so damn thick, and it's like kind of it's just cold and like you're there with the dog and you're like, yeah, I mean, it's good when you pull an animal out. It's like the best feeling. It's the coldest out there. I've ever I'm been. like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like looking at like monitor lizards and like because um, it's new to me. It's not an I'm going fucking. What's this? What's that? Oh, down the river there. I'm like, oh, shit, I would not drink that water. That's, <laughs> you know, like, that's the one good thing about here is you can get drink water anywhere. Water. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, holy shit, okay, that green puddle's been sitting there for a while. <laughs> but, um, and like all the uh, cockatoos and the crows and all the crazy stuff is pretty cool. So I like that mixture. I was, I'd love to come back over and, um, um, one day, um, just spend a bit more time in the bush. Definitely, and, man. Um, you definitely need to. Yeah, and photograph a bit of lightning over there. Yeah, we've we've had plenty of that lately. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. I'm going, oh, I'm missing out. But in reality, I'm not. It's fucking brutal. <laughs> but yeah, like people are getting absolutely smoked. But um, yeah, I mean, what's, at least it's close. What's something you would ch- do to change the public views on hunting and hunters? Well, that's a good question. Um, 
I think it would just have to be like a straight conversation. I'll make like a bloody yeah. show on it or something, like a conversation that reaches a lot of people. Like it's like podcasts and stuff, but like you can't. People search out what they like, so you kind of have to get in front of people. Um, yeah, you kind of have to get in front of people with the right kind of. I felt like I always did really well in sales because I tell the truth to people. Yeah. So it just what comes to me, and it's like, okay, here, here it is. The no BS that? type. You know that? Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be nice to like, you know, if I was to like get get a whole bunch of money to spearhead a campaign to bloody change opinion, it's like, oh, what you don't? There's two ways. There's you gotta <laughs> you gotta like. Well, come and have a look at what it's like kind of thing this is what it's like this is what we do this is why we do it here's the alternative here's where you get your food here's what happens if you don't buy the factory food and you're only living off the land here's all the pests that they have to kill around all the um you know your your fucking crops and that so you can have your um perfectly like nutrient filled lifestyle that's it not not like our bloody ancestors who were saying to the bro had to eat like the sawdust and the and the and the uh, the leather off the sailing ships because they <laughs> completely ran out of food you know where like if they came across a tortoise they'd just be like an absolute like you know just eat anything and then end, up, end up eating each other but that's where i get to my second point my second point is that like any fucking vegan is three days from eating meat maybe four yep like your brain is just working on all the luxuries. It's like you haven't been in the shit. It's like people haven't been hungry, man. You don't like you're not like you're not you're not reading alive like with the Chileans ended up in the hills or you know any of these old stories like Magellan going around the world and that. You're not like actually putting yourself in these people's shoes where you just food's just become an absolute luxury to you. Yeah, that's it. None of us know what actual being hungry is you know i do a 17 hour fast daily minimum yeah yeah but still even like you know the first day of that you just want to snack and shit but yeah, yeah. even in not eating for 17 hours that's a fucking luxury for for half the world <laughs> yeah yeah well i think what you do is like i've done i do a few like, i've done a few kind of gnarlyish ones to try during my issues just to try to like make sure fucking there's nothing in me that was making me feel real fucked yeah but i think you got to add fear to it too like the fear of where is the food yeah like they don't understand that and then like you know there's a lot of people shit man a lot of people like real and like the younger crowd and they're oh i could just go and do <laughs> do it and just i just eat that you know just eat this and eat that but when like shit hits the fan and you know and then you end up like having you literally you would literally be killing something and then just eating it raw you were so damn hungry like that's how it would happen you see it all the time like to look, look a lot of stuff with the old sailors that just used to just take their boots off and just start eating them oh, it's like that kind of hunger and everyone can experience that <laughs> but you don't have the yeah you just don't have the the, the luxury you they they don't have the uh They've got the luxury of the of the of the of the the the, the whole system providing. That's it. I, I like that that you yeah. know every vegan's three four days away <laughs> from eating meat. I've I've never thought of it like that, but 
Well, and probably fucking... seven days away from eating a um, from eating human meat too. <laughs> yeah, that's anyone. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you, you don't people you don't people don't people don't even fucking know themselves. So you don't even know yourself. Put yourself in into hell into a fucking World War One trench, mate. Let's see how you go there. Yeah, cannibalism. Well, the there's mud. a reason it's a, it's <laughs> a thing. You know, every, nearly every yeah. freaking culture's resorted to some sort of cannibalism in in the past. Which I think people don't yeah, understand how hardcore the survival instinct is when shit's really, really on the line. It just there doesn't there really isn't an end for it. You go native um, <laughs> amongst a group as well. So um, yeah, is that? But um, I mean, and I understand their counter arguments and shit. And I've actually agreed with like I've had a few vegans actually over in Aussie and that too. I worked with a couple and I really, uh, and they were like, but they were European ones. Yeah. And they were like, oh, that makes so much sense. Oh, so you're actually avoiding the abattoir in a way by doing it yourself. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, oh I really appreciate that. And yeah. But then you have like a real obnoxious, you know, let's say American one. Not, not fucking trying to stereotype anyone or anything, but <laughs> it's just like, you know, got the whole fucking you know born and born in the luxury and um it's just like oh that's just so how could you even bring yourself to do that but the, the next step for that is you know all all murderers start off killing animals you know like yeah psychopaths. Oh, how many of that how how many of those arguments end in that <laughs> i see a lot of that on australian forums actually yeah Yep. Fuck, you'd have to be dumb to believe that. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, yes, psychopaths fucking try it out on fucking animals you as post, well. You post a few photos of some nice. dead cats and that's what you get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dead cats is, is such a is such a hectic one. Yeah. Because it's always going to be hectic to some people. It's like it's never not going to be hectic. Uh, it's very confronting. It's, like, to... <laughs> it's our, like, I, I, everyone hates them. I have a fucking connection with cats because I like I like watching predators, the predator predator animals. I've got one here. I've got the dog too, obviously. <laughs> but like I um I like I fucking I shoot one as soon as I see it in the bush. No, hundred percent. I like every I'll time. I blow it in half. But I like I've got one here, and I really it is something just yeah. There's a funny little thing in my mind about it, and I'm like I'm trying to kind of teach teach my daughter about the ethics of it and animals and right here and it's a real fucking weird one eh? because we've got a lot of natives he's been he's been he's killed a lot of birds <laughs> and i tell you what he's killed everything he's killed apart from one bird has been invasive um He's brought in. That's somewhat good then. <laughs> absolutely everything. Yeah, but that's the whole thing is we've got this weird dynamic. So he can't go out there and kill, you know, a quoll and a weird marsupial that's bloody. <laughs> you know, we don't have all of that yeah. stuff. We've got Indian miners. We've got fucking African sparrows. We've got yep. pigeons from God knows where. You've got. The I don't even know. Dove. Yeah, you've got. We're yeah. the same. We have. 
Oh, you've got magpies and shit too that are non-native. A little bit. That that trips. Yeah, we shoot them. That trips trips people out, especially old mate BJ Holsworth posting up videos yeah. of him bow shooting magpies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll sight my rifles in on magpies, but they're but they're pretty rare. And you don't. I, I got peeled out by them in Aussie, and I got like infections in my head from getting slammed. <laughs> but over here, I haven't had that. Like we don't really get them here. I've heard yeah. the old kookaburra here. We definitely do have kookaburras, just a little bit north. Yeah, wow. I didn't um, know that. That's that's cool. Hundred yeah, percent. We've got the little kingfisher. But um we've got the starling. So is that a Eurasian bird? Yeah, but, the, um, the starling, yeah, we have we have them too. Yeah, and they're gorgeous. The I woke up, mate. I woke up. Fucking how's this for an alarm? I looked above me into the corner of the room and there's a starling flying in to the corner. <laughs> And the cat is basically Michael Jordan up on the side table and like well, two meters in the air and like gets this thing and he's like and I'm like ripping it out of his mouth and shit and I'm just like, Oh my god. But I'm like, yeah, so my I, I do have a love hate relationship. As soon as I'm in the bush I'm I'm like kill them. <laughs> this area here, I think it is what it is with them. I think what the deal is with them kind of where we are here is you gotta get them fat enough to the one at one year they'll go killing. But then you get them fucking fat and stupid enough on the on the on the food, and then they just can't do anything. Yeah, yeah. And like I'm like I've got two kids, and I'm like if I was on the farm, it'd be different. But I'm like you know they they, they if they've got animals, at least they're fucking around with animals, and they're like got the dog and the cat, and they can watch them interact, and there's a bit of bloody bit of a laugh there, and then it just adds something unique to the house but oh it teaches them yeah. about nature that you know life eats life the cat's out there yeah. fucking up birds and shit and yeah, the dog's oh, there right. chasing the cat <laughs> yeah yeah and um yeah i uh oh i should show i should daughter, daughter might be old enough to see a couple of your pictures of you holding up holding up some kittens <laughs> them that. but the true deal is, is that that one there was in the bush too, and it had a, and the mum, the mum, it was a little kitty, and, and the, all the rest of them, all and there's only three of them, and mum had been shot in the yeah. eye with a one seven seven, and she had a, and she, but no one knew she had a screwed up eye. Yeah. So we're like, we're gonna go get this cat, and um, the lady was like, cat, the cat lady on the shore, she's like, had all the cats, and she's like, gotta save them, the cats, so lovely, oh my god, and then <laughs> we. Sp- we we did the scan and the and and the and we found out that the reason why she was blind in one eye this is my cat's mum is because there was a one there was a pallet lodged in behind the jaw someone had shot that poor thing in the eye and I was like fucking if you're gonna shoot a cat in the eye you should shoot it with a higher caliber so you can just kill it yeah that's and it. she like looked at me like <laughs> like with this absolutely dreadful look. And I was just thinking, well, I know that to my core, and I just told the truth. Fuck, it is what it is. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but, and I said to my daughter, I'm like, you know, I'll fucking wound it. It's not enough. It's not enough to kill a cat. Yeah. It should shoot in the eye with that little thing. That's it. So, um, but I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, you got to start. Yeah, a lot of people, oh, that's just oh, terrible. But I mean, on the other side, well, hey, they were in the native. And maybe someone was just trying to save an native animal. Shit. Yeah, yeah. But that's what it. at the end of the day, what I think here is it starts at the core. It starts at the eggs, and that's where the rats are the problem, man. Yeah, and that's that's why some kiwis like, and same here, you know, 
some farm houses like having a couple of feral cats around the the sheds and shit because they do control those rats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rats are just you imagine those that nested like our bush here with that real thick canopy. You know, they're yeah. up in that bloody they're up in that canopy and they're crawling around getting into each little egg. You can see them in the spotlight sometimes, though. And they bloody um, yeah, they just. Uh, that's that's I think why just we have that luxury of the offshore islands because it yeah. might just become to the point where it's gonna have to even out. That's it. Do? Fucking try to bloody control them for another twenty thousand years. I think the, the birds that are gonna be so susceptible are just gonna, it's gonna have to even out. It, it's a, it's definitely a hard one. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's. Um, I'm glad it's not my fucking problem. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it, I mean, I thought I thought about it for a very long time. At the end of the day, it's I mean, it, it, someone with more of a qualification that's, uh, that's uh, boots on the ground, like my cousin who's dealing with the kiwis day in day out, moving them around, trying to get them to breed and shit. They're the ones that can fucking figure all that business out. I'll still go out there and shoot what's gonna eat any of that stuff. That's it. And then, yeah. That's it. So, at the end of it, what is hunting and spearfishing to you? Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> That's a good one. That's what I've had to figure out after, like, pretty much, like, going through an ego death of it. Yeah. Like, part of me dying, thinking I can't even do it anymore. Um. Yeah, like, well, I guess it just became, like, it's just this... It's like just so ingrained, and I was like, "Fuck!" I just like know the water so well. Like you just you knew what when it becomes a part of you so much that you know it so well that you can't even describe it. Like, let's say you took someone out, like you took someone out who you just met who didn't even know fuck all or whatever, and you'd look at the water and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's this," and the way that the birds are moving there, and just tens of thousands of hours of, you know time in that zone it just like shapes you into that fucking just the hunter you know yeah that's it so it's like yeah like um it's basically um well how did the question go what is hunting and spearfishing to you to me yeah i mean it's just yeah i can't even really put it into a word (laughs) because it's just like what i became yeah it's like um, my whole fucking life, really. So I, um, I, um, yeah, it's, it's it's just such a weird one that having that addiction, having that hunting thing. I think the whole thing too is like it's just fucking prey drive, and it's like also acknowledging prey drive yeah. and in in humans. People actually don't fucking understand that. That's a massive thing for me is the fact that, like, I try to train people a lot on buck fever because buck fever becomes quite problematic when you're trying to hold your breath. Um, And um, I'm like, like, right, buck fever, right, you see an animal and you, like, basically get a massive dump of adrenaline because we became a predator at some point and you need a whole bunch of fucking energy to catch something and kill it, you know what I mean? But now you're holding a tool like a rifle and you're shaking like hell. It's kind of counterintuitive or you're trying to hold your breath and you can see the big snapper and you're just like, Oh my God. So like I'm trying to, people are like, 
killing is so fucking primal. It is so far behind, deep in the brain. It's like so behind consciousness. They're like, I've, I've had it where I thought I had my shit under control. And I've seen a seeker watching me in the scope. <laughs> and I lost my, like, I fully, like, just had the most intense surge of adrenaline they haven't had in, like, years, like five years or something. I was like, oh, my God, it's back. It's, like, crazy. <laughs> Yeah, if you let your, more, I, you let your mind drift, it just it comes back. Like as soon as I was just like, I just seen the eye around the tree. I was just looking, and me and the dog were on a standoff on the wind for ten minutes. I just caught an eye, and it was just like that. Like I just couldn't hardly hold the rifle, and it's just like that. There, it just shows how deeply ingrained it is, and that's something I like to say to the vegans and shit too. Is that that's another experience that yeah. you don't understand. Like you think that we have fucking. I used to think it too. I used to think, oh yeah, maybe we were fucking nuts and berries and shit. Like back when I was in my teens and stuff. It's like no, that there, that there is is such a deeply ingrained primal instinct. That's what you. That's what the fucking the cat gets and all of it. And I understand that our physiology is different, but um, you know, is uh, I've been looking a, a bit into the sort of neuroscience of it and that too, and it's like we crave that uh that all that good shit that you That's get it. from pure meat you don't you don't feel feel that rush of an adrenaline pulling a carrot out of ground or grabbing a piece of yeah, fruit off yeah. a tree you know <laughs> yeah, yeah you certainly would i mean if you were like you know you certainly have that whole like oh my god yeah this is the i'm got, really got to get that for the storing for the winter and oh my god we've got to do that but when you you, you sort of see that animal that you've got to kill with the spear and you're just like on fire with, with, um, with a, so much adrenaline, like your blood, your, your, your body's like literally like blitzkrieg. Yeah. Methamphetamine. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, um, that's one big, big thing. And it's just so interesting how it's been come counterintuitive to the rifle, the bow and the spear, um, over the years. And um, it's something I'd like, I don't, would probably should be quite interesting to do a bit more training on because we have to, we have to um, deliberately try to ignore it uh, or train yourself off it to like be like, oh, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. But you see a fucking massive fish and you're <laughs> just, you just feel your body full with adrenaline, but you're trying to stay as relaxed as you can. And it's the weirdest thing. That's it. It's, you're it like, it's, it's called see. buck fever for a reason, you know. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not called carrot fever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, get bloody um, cucumber fever. Fucking hell. Go get but a yeah. tomato off the bush and just start shaking. You know, you gotta, yeah, go to go yeah. to reach down to pick it, but you miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You shoot it in the guts because you just can't even. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You, you go to grab it and you just squeeze that tight and explode the yeah. tomato. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's the one. Anyway, man, it's been freaking awesome having you on, and it's it's been three hours we've been been chatting. It's absolutely fucking flown by. Um, yeah. If people have enjoyed what they've they've heard, they want to check out your content. They want to have a chat, whether you know it's about spearfishing, hunting, or you know, just these these health challenges you've been having and stuff like that. Um, where can they reach out to you, and where can they check out your stuff? Um, so yeah, if anyone can um, just go on YouTube and and search aquatic rehab spearfishing. Um, that's like the big 
long style vlogs. Um, I'm using a uh, new Instagram now and I find that quite easy to respond to people uh, as opposed to Facebook and that. Yep. And that one's just like Luke underscore likes underscore ledges. Okay. And um, that one there is like, I'm going to do like mini clips and stuff, not overdo it so I can still put a lot of stuff on YouTube and Radio Rar. And then um, that one there, I like to answer questions because I can just hold down the record button and not type. I've kind of figured that out. Like I burnt myself out fucking typing. Yep. And I'm just like, okay, blah, 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 blah. Because I naturally seem to have quite a few answers to quite a few of these question, questions. Um, the other thing that I'll plug shamelessly <laughs> is uh no nah, i'm actually not shame so shamelessly because i put a shit lot of effort into it is um i i've ha- have the how to spearfish series so i've done five episodes from um like a beginner's guide to spearfishing gear it's like an odd hour a guide to hunting kingfish a guide to hunting snapper and those kind of can cross over to any pelagic or any like difficult reef species yeah and they've got like diagrams where to go in the current, what to do, what to look for on the Navionics charts. Um, and then I've got a guide to like how to increase your breath hold for spearfishing, which has relaxation techniques. And that's like another 50 odd minutes of me just talking about like technique, hook breaths, hyperventilation, danger zones, and just all sorts of shit. And then the last one is a guide to spearing around sharks. Um, which is sort of getting used to sharks. And I've put that all on. It used to be on Vimeo. Everyone on Vimeo, if they message me, they get the whole thing for free. The people that got it, they just get like a link to the whole lot. Yeah. But the rest of it's just sitting on my Patreon, which is just under, uh, aquatic underscore rehab underscore spearfishing on Patreon. Um, also, while I was kind of starting to get a bit wonky, people will see it in there. But I put the yards in. I actually did like six to nine hours of informational just chats to a GoPro. Oh, yeah, sick. Which just sits on there. And it's like some of them I've got like a wire up my nose because they're doing a test on me and <laughs> fucking all sorts of shit. And I look kind of grumpy, but I'm like someone will ask a question and I'll just – and it's it's just like if you want the pure info – that's all uh, sitting on there as well. It was like a whole year worth, one a week or something. Yeah, I'll so get, I think, get you to send me those links and then I can um, post them on the page and tag you in them and so people can find them a bit easier. Yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, it's just, it's just um, that's what it is. And then for the, um, then whoever, whoever else can just buy us that fucking yacht and then we'll go out to Great Barrier and bloody... <laughs> Find that big one. I'll, I'll I'll come and get some spear fishing lessons from you when they buy you the yacht. And they can fly me out there and <laughs> start. That's it. what I was thinking. <laughs> get the um, yeah, get the uh, the helo. So Bezos or Zuckerberg, if you're listening, this is this is our demands. <laughs> yeah, just invest, please. <laughs> now, nah, anyway, man, I I really appreciate you coming on and um. Uh, I'm glad to see you getting back out there and um, I'm super stoked to seeing your content being back out there because I have been following for years and, you know, we've chatted on and off over the years as well. So uh, it's, it's, it's been awesome to be able to sit down for three hours with you and just just talk the shit, man. You're, you're a great speaker. Hey, and it's It's been fucking awesome. 
Yeah, man. Oh, no, I appreciate it, dude. It's, it's, uh, it's been great. Ah, sweet as. Anyway, man, I'll let you go and we'll catch you all later on the next episode. All right. Thanks, bro. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our discussions and gained valuable insights into the world of hunting, fishing and the outdoors. To stay connected with us and never miss out on an update, please be sure to follow us on social media, all at Hunting Connection Podcast. We appreciate your support and would love for you to share the podcast with your friends and family. Don't forget to tag us in your hunting photos on social media and let us know about your experiences. Your feedback is invaluable to us, so please take a moment to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Together, we continue growing and delivering more captivating episodes for all hunting enthusiasts. Stay connected, stay informed and keep pursuing your passion for the hunt. Until next time, happy hunting.